Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Bastards Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and how I can get you a toe by three o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Matt Polly. I'm finishing my coffee. I'm staying. Brad Polly. I'm staying. And together, we are the Inglorious Bastards. Yes, we are. Announcement, we were featured on the most recent uh, episode of Outside the Walls podcast with Brandon Andros. Brian Danger Andros. Uh, I saw uh, Andros today. About uh, the benefit of doubt. Andros in the wild. I was working on an espresso machine. I looked up and he was fucking staring at me. Yeah. Well, he, well, Waiting to order coffee. He's got to be there, man. He's a political correspondent. Yeah. He's got to know that's where all the shit, uh, political shit goes down to <laughs> yeah, Starbucks. I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's just jump right into it. Yeah, man. Let's do it. Stop it. What are you drinking? Hey, hey, I've been thinking that if we're going to get through this, we're going to need some fluids. Hey, hey, what are you drinking now? So there's two drinks we're drinking. Well, we drank one. Yeah, well, we're drinking, in, in drinking the future, one currently. we're going to drink one we already drink. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> uh, but right now, we're drinking, uh, what is this, Matt? Uh, this is from 18th Street Brewery in um, Hammond, Indiana. We we like their stuff. Yeah, their shit's good. This is just their Dozer Pilsner-style lager, and it's it's really good. It, it's nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the best thing we've had in a couple of weeks, yeah. for sure. It's been, a, it's, been a pretty, <laughs> it's been pretty low the last couple of weeks. And then in the future... <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> in the so, year 2000. We also are enjoying the, uh, this is from Boulevard Brewing from their Smokestack series, uh, which is uh, shorthand for fucking expensive. That's, yeah. what, sh- that's what Smokestack yes. series yeah, means. Yeah, it does. Uh, they're Rye on Rye 2016. Um, it is a uh, whiskey barrel aged rye ale with lemon peel and spices. Ridiculously good. It was good. very good. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's a bourbon bomb for sure. But man, it's really see, I didn't. Good. I mean, it, it is, but I didn't. It's it not wasn't, overdone. It's not like yeah. the uh, Kentucky bourbon yeah, barrel ale, which is that's God, not a great it's beer. Like, yeah, I got some brown sugar like, out of it. Yeah, it's, good. it's it's very tasty. So yeah, yeah, very good. This round is these are on, both good. So yeah, yeah, very good beers. This round is on Michael Shannon. Michael is a 34-year-old married father of two and a half kids. Not sure how that works out. <laughs> Dog, maybe? Uh-uh, maybe. Is it a fur baby? He is a fourth-generation farmer from Michigan. Raised in the Nazarene church all his life, went to Nazarene college, had plenty of doubts about all of it. Hmm. He didn't know there were any options between evangelical and atheist. So <laughs> <laughs> He knew he wasn't an atheist, so he just kept pretending to be like everybody else. Nice. And then he heard Rob Bell on You Made It Weird and then read Love Wins last week. Oh, oh wow. wow. And everything has changed. Awesome. Yeah, that, so, that book will do that too. Yeah, yeah that'll, that'll <laughs> fuck you up pretty huge. Yep. So. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at MD Shannon. Um, he is a farmer with a computer science degree. Wow. Nice. Pretty, pretty rare, I would yeah. imagine. Not necessarily, man. Anymore, farmers have to be, some, have to be into high tech. Yep. So. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he never drank alcohol. He's never had alcohol before. Oh, wow. Huh. So keep listening to us and you will. <laughs> well, maybe not. He probably has some self control. If you would like to buy a round for us, um, you can go to patreon.com slash pastors podcast. We offer exclusive episodes of the pastors pub crawl, turd talk, and uh, <laughs> at any level you can. Uh, 
you'll access the Pastors Pub. It's mm-hmm. a closed Facebook group where we talk about life, spirituality, and just about everything else. Yep. Um, we also have a new show. I haven't put on a little introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hymns of Reconstruction. Uh, got a lot of real super which positive is, feedback. Just not gonna, we're not going to hold to that formula for sure. What do you mean? <laughs> like of just hymns of reconstruction. So. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the idea is, the idea is, it's songs that um, mean something to you like, for whatever. Yeah, reason. spiritual songs that. Um, right. Or not necessarily spiritual songs. I mean, Brad, you're you're not you're not invited on the podcast, so I'll stay off of it. <laughs> Well, that's fine. You didn't, it, you didn't consult us anyway yeah. before starting I, it, so I it's totally, fine. I consulted you. Well, no, I didn't consult of. Matt. You didn't tell me jack shit. Yeah. Like, literally told me nothing about it, and like, all of a sudden, it shows up on my feet. I'm like, oh, I guess we're doing something else now, so that's fine. Thanks but for telling me. But you know what? Me. People fucking loved it. Like I had, <laughs> we have people in here, by the way. Oh. There's a child in here. Sorry, child. Um, people loved child, it. Please. People child, freaking, please. People freaking loved it. People flipping loved it, man. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so check it out. Um, things discussed in the pub this week is a meme that says, "In case of emergency, pray to Jesus." I <laughs> <laughs> uh, also talked about accidentally coming out uh, of the deconstruction closet uh, to your friends, and uh, they dogpile on you. Yeah, so. that uh, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen Flynn McCormick. Uh, had a retreat at the farmhouse. Yes, yes, she did. Talked about that a little bit. Uh, there was an accidental turd meetup where two people were in the same place. <laughs> yeah, know, man. That was hanging awesome. out on, at, on a mission trip. Weird, like a week. Weird. Yeah. Like two people from Indiana, but in Tennessee. Like on a mission trip. God, that's weird. Talking about podcasts and, the, and then somehow it came up to, about our podcast and they both already supported us. And they were both yeah, in the pub. Pretty strange. So, so really shout cool out to Stephen Paulus and Jason Warren. Yep. Um, freaking awesome. Um, Matt's laughing. Matt's about laughing something. about I don't something. Know what. what is wrong with you? What happened to you? What did you just read online? <laughs> Who touched you? <laughs> Billy just posted a gift from Family Guy. <laughs> Peter puts a candy bar in his mouth and pulls a hoodie up and makes it like pulls it all over his face and then squirts it out like a butt. <laughs> like he's pooping. <laughs> It's a live update so, from, 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 from the live pub. The pub. <laughs> yep. These are the these are the wonderful things you can find just, on the past. Yeah, that really pub. caught me off guard. I didn't know where it was going. <laughs> these are the things. I don't know the, what, what's that song. I don't. Know. <laughs> a few of my favorite things. I cannot sing with this thing going on. Um, this thing that is still going on. Still going on. If, We're on better. week nine yeah. of Michael not being able to to talk. At least um, he's taking it to Canada next week. Yeah, we I'm going to Canada to next week. Well, they've got um, free health care up there, so if you, if, that, buddy. If you ever want to skip a, an episode of the Pastor's Podcast, next week's a good one. Well, thanks, I, I appreciate that. No, just kidding. Uh, just mm-hmm. to give you a, a heads up, it's going to be Matt, Brad, and, and Brian Van Brian Driesen. Danger Van Driesen. Van Driesen. <laughs> Bronson Van Driesen. Bill Andrews will be here. <laughs> Dr. Bill Andrews. <laughs> And yeah. it's going to be a fascinating topic, but you'll you'll see. Yeah, and then um, wait, do we have a topic? Yeah, I got one. Oh, we've already gonna, talked about. Pa- you going to patch me in on yeah, that? Yeah, no, you'll be all right. Are you guys just like not fucking telling me anything yeah. now? Like <laughs> we should do this like intentionally mainly because now. I love that it just makes you mad on the internet. Actually, your mom's coming next week. <laughs> yeah, Damn, sure. I wish I was there. I wish <laughs> I was going to be fucking there. Um, uh, and then we also talked about um, baptism. Your Is mom it pointless? comes every week. Thank you. Good God. Well. Yeah, that's, uh, let's just move on. Well, 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, friends. It's that time of the week yeah. where Michael you know, listen, has a No, deep first thought. of all, fuck you. All, all, all of the friends, shit that he says every week, somehow I'm awful for saying that. He says stuff like that every goddamn week. Well, Debbie is a, is a great human being. Uh, right. Is that where we landed on there? Yeah. She's yeah. a that be that as it may. She's a national treasure. Uh-huh. She's the Nicolas Cage of um, <laughs> of my life. Uh, you can have her. Uh, okay. Uh, um, and then we talked about is baptism pointless? Oh, that was so, a good discussion. It was. Yeah. yeah, really good discussion. If you want to know the answer, go to uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash pastors. No, no spoilers here. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get into uh, the vet pastor. Oh, it's oh, so loud, man, man! God, turn it down every week. He doesn't. He turns it down, but not really. No, like he never I just, gets. I lower. literally just turned it down. <laughs> it's so loud. Oh my god! All right, we got a plethora of goodies. So this is, from, this is only about half of what was sent to us. Yeah, you're doing the other half person. next week, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, these are from uh, Jefferson Gifford Giffordson James <laughs> Reed. <laughs> Uh, not, not on the podcast name. a couple of times. Gif Reed at the um, Cannabis Stock on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, he recently went to Dubai and India. He's, he was all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, Indian University. You know what I told your mom? I, hey, I'm India. Wow. That's really great, buddy. That's You see? See? <laughs> you guys got on me. Like, I do that once like in 70 episodes. This is like every fucking episode for him. And somehow I'm like I'm like a horrible person for making a joke like that. Are you anyway. kidding me right now? <laughs> she, your mom, whenever we stop talking, stop, Quitter's stop. Talk. I always sing to her that uh, song that Kelly Clarkson sang uh, in the finale of uh, American. You're, you're the I only one that knows a Kelly Clarkson you've song. Lost me so much. Want to be inside your heaven? <laughs> Talk oh us. my God, you are. A disgusting person. No, it's not Kelly Clarkson. Well, damn it. Well, it now, more, now more food's going to come up than go down. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, me. God damn Well, it. now it's my nausea. All right, let's try these. Yeah. Shut up, All right. Michael. All right, these are, um, uh, the first else. thing we have are, uh, from Lay's Potato Chips. I'm assuming these are from India. Speaking of your mom, Lay's. Uh, will you <laughs> stop? stop See, I make one joke. God. It's like his fourth joke. You opened it up, man. Gosh. Hey, Lenny. What's up, buddy? You need to leave right now. Do you want to try? Uh, these We're are. We're talking about your grandma, buddy. Uh, try one. India's Magic Masala potato chips, uh, which I love masala. So, but they kind of smell vaguely like mesquite barbecue. So, Yeah, they do. Mmm. Those are good. Yeah. You know, it's pretty good. A little spicy on the end there. Are they? I always say that. I don't think they're spicy at all. You I, say that about chocolate. Like, <laughs> you say that about everything. But you don't feel at the end, like, no, a little bit of tingle? No, not at all. There's a, I mean, there's a little bit there, but it's not... They're good. I would call it heat. I, I mean, like those. Those aren't as hot as the... I egg. didn't say heat. I said spicy. Those aren't as hot as the ghost pepper oh, uh, man. tortilla chips. I don't remember what episode those were. Lenny ate the whole bag. <laughs> I also course. get a little bit of um, hard-boiled egg. No, you don't. You no, get you a little don't. bit of masala. There's nothing hard-boiled egg about that. Who says that? Oh, what are we rating these? What by normal the way? person says? I get a little hard-boiled egg in that. Somebody with a very refined. Let's uh, ra- rate these out of five uh, sacred cows. Okay. <laughs> that way we insult the entire religion. Yeah. Let's All right. Do that. Uh, so I give those like a three. Those are fine. Three and a half. 
I like them to four. I'll give really? four on those. Yeah, How, those are fine. good. You don't think that's hot at all? My no, mouth not is really. There's a little, there, no, there is a little bit of heat in that. I mean, like a well, vague... there's a there's a pepper on the. I mean, there is a pepper on it. So, well, I mean, Indian food can be pretty spicy. Well, that's, I, I think love that's... Indian food, by the way. Yeah, I do too. That one place in Bloomington. Oh mm. yeah, man. I want that right now. Okay, so next, uh, dark dark fantasy. Ooh, um, don't. <laughs> I can see your breath. These are your called turning. dark fantasy coffee fills. They're like a cookie, I guess. Oh, hmm. Wow. Chocolate and co- that's very coffee ish. Yeah, that's a lot smelling. of smelling. All right, mm. here we go. Mm. Oh. Mm. Boy, that's a coffee bomb. Yeah, that's literally all coffee. That's really damn good. I wouldn't want a bunch of. I probably two of those would probably do me pretty yeah, good. Yeah, but it actually but, tastes like mm-hmm. decent coffee. Yeah. It does. Oh man, you know what that kind of reminds me of? Those are fours, man. I'll give you those fours all day. Those are. When I worked at an unnamed uh, coffee shop <laughs> here in town, <laughs> we would do um, what we would call espresso, espresso brownies, <laughs> and it's that the, the. Oh hey, hey, we're, we are Whoa. doing fast. Are oh my god, Michael, oh. what are you doing? I dropped my phone. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, sorry. Jeez. Anyway, so uh, we would grab the, the, the coffee puck mm-hmm. from inside the coffee machine, straight just ground espresso. Yeah. Uh, we put whipped cream on it, <laughs> uh, caramel drizzle, little uh, uh, chocolate chips, Java chips on top. That's. Uh... And we give them to newbies. <laughs> and, and then we gave it to a police officer. Blake actually might have been there. Your neighbor, <laughs> my neighbor. Might have been there. Yep. Um, and then what, whenever they'd get a new uh, police officer on the force, that's they'd awesome. bring him in and order the that's hilarious the espresso brownie. Those are good, man. Those are fours. Uh, that's a four. That's yeah, those are good. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's nice. Uh, next, la- and lastly for this week, we have more next week from from uh, Giffordson J. Reed uh, Esquire. <laughs> I think it's George, uh, technically. The, uh, d- these are tam- Tamra mm-hmm. dark chocolate-covered dates with almonds. I am a date slut. I keep them in my house. So, let's. Uh, have you tried this? I, I'm going to bite this half. Oh, okay, let's, Matt and I are going to lady in the trampet. No, we're not. <laughs> Meet in the middle. Mm. Wow, that's uh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. I'll go four on those too. Those are really good too. It tastes like a chocolate covered date with almonds. Going five? Mm. I'll go four on those. I'll do four and a half. Damn, that's really good. No, those are good. Man, that's good. Well, thank you, Gift. I'm going to kill those chips off later. Well, bring them over here. I want some. No, because you'll eat the whole bag. Shut your face. Uh, So when uh, when he told us he was getting some stuff from India, I was like, "Mm, it was all pretty low key. Yeah, I was very. I was a little skeptical mm-hmm. at first. Yeah. Thought we were going to eat like tiger penis <laughs> chewing gum or something. But uh, that's, I'd uh, try it. That's all really good. Of course I'm sure you would. would. Of course you would. <coughs> so, all right. What's next? All right. Lock up your fears, dry all your tears, refill your fears. We're headed into the new speed. Yeah. All right. All right. Let me go. Sure, if you want to. All right. So I think we had the story of you. All right. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? <laughs> I just ate a handful of those chips, and all I tasted was egg. 
<laughs> Honest really? to God. Fucking A, I yeah. told you. Honest to God. Seriously. That's unreal. Uh, man, I, it's a Straight little bit, up hard-boiled egg. Yep. Wow. I told you. Yeah, That was weird. I didn't get that at all in the first chip or two that I ate, but that... I'm more concerned about the fact that Michael was right about something. He really yeah. was. Ever find a palate, nice, guys. Nice palate, buddy. Good You're work. You're welcome. I'll be here all week. <laughs> so, I feel like we've had a story similar to this. Did we do a story about the world's biggest Nerf gun? Yeah, we did. Okay, this is the world's biggest super soaker. <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, Jeter. What color was your super soaker growing up? I had well, two. It was that yellow with the green tank, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't like a classic. Yeah. Okay. I had orange. Did you? Uh, an orange one, orange tank, and then I had another one that was uh, blue tank. Well, we're a yellow. little older than you, so we didn't yeah. have a lot of options. You guys had the original. Yeah. Okay. So this one is the same guy that built the world's largest Nerf gun, which could blast a foam pellet at 440 <laughs> yes. miles an hour, yes. which that's going to put, put a hole in somebody. Um, this super soaker, giant super soaker, fires water at 243 miles per hour. It can break glass. What? what? Wow. At seven feet long, the super... Isn't that just like a pressure washer? Yeah, basically. The super size, yes. well, the super size super soaker <laughs> officially holds a Guinness World Record. Um, the water, water gun's giant green reservoir can pre-pressurize to 2,400 PSI. Good God. Dude, Jeez. that's a lot. 2,400. Producing kill a, somebody with that. Producing a stream of water that blasts out of the barrel with enough pressure to shatter windows and take down anyone. I would say you could put a hole in somebody. Yeah, you could really that. hurt somebody with that. Yeah. Yeah, but look at this. Look at this freaking thing. <laughs> you got to watch the video of this guy yeah. holding this thing. It's literally man-sized. I mean, it's giant. It's enormous. Same. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, right. That's what, that's what Debbie said. Stop it. For the love of God, stop it right now. <laughs> God, I never again. I'll never make a joke again. like because you can't, you can't, you can't even give him like an inch. You know the old saying: you give the devil an inch, he takes. You know, you give the devil a foothold. He's the devil. He is absolutely the devil. Because if you if you even open the door a crack, he will kick it in and it's take up done. resonance in your house. Like it he just. Really will. Oh, and I am totally just chilling out. You can't evict me. Yeah. I'm here all day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his soul died a long time yeah, ago. Like that's so all too. it really. So is that is that? Is that that's all it. That's all, all right. I'm just all doing the one. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple new product updates. I don't I care. Do. Nobody cares. I'll do. Uh, everybody, I'll do mine. Everybody cares. Uh, this image of a man preserved at Pompeii has gone viral for obvious reasons. It's not true, by the way. Oh, I, is it it's not? It's not. No. Damn it. It's not. But go ahead. And, it, go ahead. It's a great story. Oh, anyway. It does. Wait, it, why is it not true? Like. It's not what you think it is. I don't remember what it was. Well, I saw. Okay, well, here's what it looks like. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. Certainly looks like a petrified man decided to use his last moments on earth to crank his hog. <laughs> yeah. So here's the picture. <laughs> he yeah. is uh, reclining. It looks yeah. Uh, in a in a, I would say a somewhat pleasurable looking pose. Yeah. He's he's enjoying it. He's splayed uh, about his, with his with his with his hand on his uh, his crotchal region. He's not exactly spread eagle, but he's getting close. He's he's definitely relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you have to be. So I mean, I, I, I when I saw this, <laughs> you don't want to be tense. Somebody <laughs> somebody tweeted <laughs> this man saw his but okay. Somebody tweeted this man saw his entire world crumbling to fire and ash and decided to crank one out before <laughs> facing eternity. Legend. <laughs> How can they disprove that? Well, I mean, I, I'd have to, I'd have to look and try to find the yeah, story. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured that probably wasn't what was happening, but it, it certainly sure looks, looks like, like uh, that's what's happening. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if if um, when when the nuclear bombs fall from North say, Korea, when when uh, uh, 
Senor Zhang Un decides to to throw his um, nuclear devices our way, what what are you guys spending your last moments doing? You gonna Man. spend time like hanging with your kids, giving them hugs? You gonna try to blast I'll, one out? In my your... luck is I'll probably be on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, that's... Uh, I was on the toilet during an earthquake yeah. one yeah. time a few years ago when we had the earthquake. It woke me up out of bed, the first one, and then we had like a pretty strong aftershock when I was taking a shit. <laughs> and I was, it was the weirdest feeling ever. Like I was sitting there on the toilet, I was reading, I think, <laughs> as, as one does. What did we uh, do? And all of a sudden, it was like I was just seat. started like yeah. moving. I was like, uh, I was oh driving my to work God, and what the hell's actually. happening? Yeah. Uh, it was really weird. Yeah. But I'm sure people from California are like, yeah, that's like a Monday. Wednesday. I'm sure this is out there somewhere. Could, could you imagine like a vibrating toilet seat oh Somebody. i'm sure that exists why i'm sure it's on there probably on drunkmall.com i'll look it up yeah, probably <laughs> good transition so what do you have buddy okay so um from drunkmall.com it's been a while since i've done one not uh, not our sponsor yet but we're have our fingers crossed yes um uh this is belgium chocolate they are chocolate assholes <laughs> They've got uh, the dark chocolate, the milk chocolate, and the the white chocolate as well. Um, Indeed, they, they do. Are, um, let me get a bit of bigger picture here for you. This is the Amazon. Let's website. not. They're little um, little chocolate shaped like those look eight, like boy, buckles. That's uh, like a ru- rusty look like a rusty balloon knot. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is. They are tight. They are very. <laughs> About the about this product, <laughs> this order this order is shipped from the UK. If you're from a warm country, there's a chance this uh, may melt during transit before reaching its final destination. It's nothing worse than a melted asshole. I think we can all agree. With that. Also, <laughs> official um, description. Don't say that. Official description. I think you said a facial description. Don't don't use the word facial and asshole <laughs> in the same sentence. <laughs> also, official description. It says, "quote." Sort of like a Hershey's kiss. <laughs> uh, eat it all up or let it dissolve on your tongue. You just wanted to read that, didn't you? <laughs> that's that's a little too on the nose, if you know what I mean. Suitable, also says suitable for vegetarians. Don't know why we need to know that, but if that's your thing. So many jokes. Yeah, let's just let that one go. Can I just ask you a question, Michael? How much time a day do you spend on drunk? Not enough. No, I mean seriously. Like, can we look at some of the reviews of this? (laughs) Three stars. Some were melted. (laughs) Really made my party. As a bonus, it's high quality chocolate too. (laughs) Well, thank God for that. No, uh, nobody wants shoddy asshole chocolate. Exactly so. what I expect from anus chocolate. <laughs> the anuses are a little bit bigger than a quarter. They're potentially life size. Wait, 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 wait. Hmm? Quarter? Yeah, like the just the. I know what a quarter is, Michael. The, the you don't need to. Term. You don't need to show me. I know what a quarter is. My God, can we move on from this, please? <laughs> wait, first of all. 
If there's anybody of our listeners who want to send these to us, yeah, yeah. we free drunkmall.com slash chocolate assholes. Not on sure. there. That's, 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 not, that's not it. But it is on their main page. Yeah, don't, you don't, want, don't worry. I dare you to Google chocolate assholes. I dare you. On Amazon, it's actually called Edible Anus. <laughs> What just happened? Edible anus. Edible anus, dark milk, white Belgian chocolate gift box. Comes in a nice box. Also, in our product updates, uh, Mountain Dew fans, there's a new Not Your Father's Flavor you're going to like. Not Your Father's Mountain Ale. The Not Your Father's Root Beer, that brand. Yeah. They're coming out with the Mountain Dew version. That's not very good. Mm, neat. <laughs> yeah, that that rumor's not good. Dear your no, father's not company, please stop. 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 Yeah, stop I, what I, you're doing right now. Whatever the, it is you're doing. If I want root beer, I just want root beer. I know. It I'm just the same way. Spreckers yeah. is, is the yeah. penultimate. Now I'll take some root beer. Dog and I'll, I'll put a good there. like spiced rum in it, like cracking. Yeah. That's really good. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like, just give me, I just want root beer. Like I if know. I want root beer, I just want root beer. I do. Out of all like the cola alcohol ones, Henry's is not bad. I refuse. That's another thing. If I want, yeah. if I want freaking cherry coke, I just want ginger drink a cherry yep. coke. Yep. God or Soco it. and Coke. Or mix. Or mix. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, move on. Um, what, what's your next drunk mall? Uh, this is that, that was not a drunk mall. It was just <laughs> the internet. Um, this is another one. Uh, pizza Hut is coming out with macaroni and cheese pizza. Ooh. In classic. Yeah, that and, does not sound. In classic good. and barbecue. Um, it looks like it's only overseas. Yeah, they do everything weird overseas, yeah, which do. is really weird. Like, you would think of any country full of fat asses that something like a, a macaroni pizza <laughs> would go over well, it would be here. Yeah. yeah. You'd think. Like, our country is like 90% morbidly obese. <laughs> like, you would think that these things would fly here. <laughs> and they always put them in, like, Dubai or something yeah, weird. I know. Or the You're Philippines right. yeah. or really weird. Japan. Japan's yeah. a big one, too. Yeah. All right. So, I've uh, been thinking, Matt. Um, that I, I found a job for you on the, on the classifieds. <laughs> They're looking for a new driver. You've got some driving experience. You'd I be a great drive app. a lot. Yeah. Um, the driver of a uh, the Wiener Mobile. They're hiring. <laughs> oh my God! Seriously. So you could drive. I want to do that. <laughs> it would literally just think it's kind of like Inception. A wiener inside of a wiener. <laughs> be Matt. I get it because I'm a dick. No, because you're a wiener. <laughs> Wait. No, that doesn't. That's not even a joke. Like it's a joke when I say it. Like I'm a dick, and it's, it's yeah, not what you said. That doesn't even make any fucking well, sense. I'm, I'm listening to Michael derail right now. It's fantastic. Go ahead, talk your way out of this hole, buddy. Keep digging. Anyway, uh, if you'd uh-huh. like to become a Wienermobile navigator, um, see how did you miss that joke? Like it's a dick inside of a wiener. Like that's the joke. I know, buddy. Why did you not say it? Because I said I liked calling you a wiener better. It's funnier. Wieners is it? Wiener is a funnier word than dick. Oh, uh, that's debatable. That's debatable. Yeah, I don't know. Context. Um, context is important in this context. I'm right, and you're not. Your mom likes it. Remember, I put my wiener. <laughs> Stop in it! Her Stop! Oh my god! God, that is also my mother. You <laughs> despicable human being. Oh my god! Oh shit! All right, I take it back. I'm sorry. Well, we never edit this. We don't we edit anything, so you edit. can't. You can say I take it back, and it's still <coughs> fucking out there. Just delete it from your minds, everybody. Oh my god! Or we could just edit it. Edit it. I just want to apologize to Kathleen Falsami <laughs> and our listeners. Yeah. My God, yeah. Because she's gonna listen to this and go, "What the hell did I do?" Like, <laughs> uh, we tried I, to warn her. Like, we just took a highly this. accomplished person and basically ruined her career. Fantastic. 
God, we're terrible. All right. Oh. No, no, check that. Michael is terrible. Yeah. I, I do have an uplifting one. How many of these are you going to do? Those are all just the, the news <laughs> updates. It's like hot news for people. They want to buy. What do you just like? What do you like? The news just like, get it over with, please. All right. Did you guys see the? Uh, no, the, we didn't. We didn't. Um, <laughs> in the news, it's like his brain cramps. Dude, you can hear it lock up. It's well, like, I was. Grrr. All right. Anyway. You, know, you know when we're running an espresso machine and the pulleys are loose and the belt falls off? Yes, that's, that's what, what it, it is. Like. Yes. <laughs> and it just like stops. Like That's what you hear. You have to call maintenance. Yeah. Florida family. Um, oh, it's one, a whole family this time. Yeah, All right. Um, so this is actually a, a good story. So um, they were um, not doing so well in the ocean. They went swimming. Oh, I saw and, this. Yeah, I almost used this one. Um, so they have, there's some photos. Somebody heard... Uh, the family and, and the um, basically they were more or less drowning. They were cu- they caught in, got oh, caught I saw a, I caught in a riptide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what the people on the beach did was basically formed a human chain. Fifty people, yeah, or eighty people, eighty people or something. Yeah, it's like an eighty massive. person human yeah. chain. Yeah, um, and they literally saved these people. That's um, awesome. I feel like this is like something that transitions well to something that Kathleen talks about yes, in the coming interview. Is. That is just yeah. Yeah, so very good. Yep. So um, watch out for rip currents. Not uh, not great. Uh, swim sideways is what they tell you when yeah. you get caught in a rip current. You swim sideways. So um, yeah, they were waiting for like a, a boat to come save these people, and the people on the beach were just like, "Fuck that! We're yeah. gonna actually." Um, That's awesome. Save these people are good. This yep. family. So despite what Twitter might tell you, people yeah. are good. Yeah, because if you think about that, there's probably in that group of 80 people, every man Democrats, Republicans, yep. Christians, atheists, yep. whatever. Like, yep. And then everybody was like, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to save these people. Yep. So yeah. They probably didn't really think about it. They just no, kind of did. Right. Yeah. I mean, in those moments, your instincts, you don't sit and think about, should I join hands with these people? Yeah. You just do it and get the goddamn job done. Yep. There's probably something to be said for that. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Uh, further out, further in? Yeah. Let's do it. Kathleen Falsani is an award-winning religion journalist and author. Kathleen is a graduate of Wheaton College. She holds Wheaton College. She holds a master's degree in journalism from Northwestern. University, as well as a master's degree in theological studies from Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. Kathleen's work has been featured on Sojourners. Um, Chicago, she actually worked for them for a couple of years too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago Sun Times, the Religion News Service, Huffington Post, Rolling Stone, Christianity Today, Chicago Tr- Tribune. Washington Post. Not not exactly a lightweight to no. use a uh, yes. to use a Lebowski quote. Yes. Um, <laughs> and her son is not a fucking dunce. No, as you'll and discover. you will hear that yeah. as well. Um, Kathleen has covered her diverse God beat um, from locations uh, as far afield as Vatican City, uh, um, Ireland, Germany, the, the Caribbean. Um, the West Wing, the Playboy Mansion, and the dugout at Wrigley Field. <laughs> yeah, she um, interviewed Obama at one yeah. point mm-hmm. yeah. when he was a state senator. Mm-hmm. Kathleen is commonly known on the internet 
as God Girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you can find her on Twitter at God Girl G. Uh, G-R-R-L. G O D G R R L. Yes. yes. So. Yeah, I think people don't know how to spell God, but good work there. Well, I wanted to spell the whole thing. <laughs> Gosh, you're such a dick. <laughs> with that, here's our interview with uh, Kathleen Falsani. Hello. <laughs> Kathleen, are you there? Sibilance, sibilance. Yes, I am. Hi. <laughs> Check one, two. Uh, <laughs> it is really great to have you. Thank you for agreeing to be on this podcast. Oh, thank you so much for asking. I was delighted. We, uh, yeah, we were, we've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, so let's just jump right into this. We are always interested in people's origin stories. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of one of our, kind of one of our things we always talk to people about. So how did you... How did you get into journalism, and what was it about writing that sort of drew you to what is increasingly a very underappreciated and um, uh, dangerous dangerous profession? profession? Yeah, right. Increasingly dangerous. I was going to start by you know, quoting Austin Powers: "Summers in Rangoon." That's a <laughs> story. Um, well, let's see. I grew up in Connecticut, uh, and my parents, my father in particular, uh, were news hounds, news junkies. We always had the New York Times at the house. We always had the Newsweekly magazines, Time Newsweek. Um, I don't think we ever got U.S. News and World Report, but we always were, had that stuff around. Sure. It was just part of the fabric of our family culture. And um, to tell you, and my dad's from New Hampshire, where politics is the professional sport. Nice. Um, <laughs> they don't have any other team, so he was a, you know, a Democrat, uh, a Kennedy Democrat. And um, so I grew up with this just being part of a daily conversation in the home. And one of my earliest memories is of sitting in the high chair, not like the little kid high chair, but like the booster chair yeah. at our kitchen counter with my parents watching the McNeil Lehrer news hour about Watergate. That's one of my earliest memories. <laughs> I can't think wow. of that news hour without thinking little- of Dana Carvey. On yeah. SNL. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's, you know, my, if I go back, it's probably my, one of my very earliest memories. I think I was, what year was that? 1973, 74, okay. 73. My brother wasn't alive yet. So I was three. Um, and that's what I remember. So I grew up with an awareness of actual print journalism um, and serious journalism as it appears on television. This, of course, predates CNN and anything like that. So my parents didn't watch ABC, NBC, CBS. They watched PBS because right. serious journalism. Nice. <laughs> um, but, you know, and my parents had both lived abroad fairly extensively before my brother and I were born. And so while we grew up in the hard suburbs of Connecticut, you know, just not far <laughs> outside New York City, I was born in Stamford, which is just a hop and a skip from the city. And, um, we had this sort of broader awareness than perhaps some of our friends did growing up where we did. Um, the, the world was much broader than just the end of our block in a Connecticut leafy suburb, you know? So, um, that I was particularly close to my father and he, his whole life was a a news hound and a, a journalism lover. Um, and so it was, I think maybe fifth grade, when you had to write, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think oh, maybe fourth grade, 
when I had to do it, I said um, oceanographer because I grew up on the water. Right. Nice. Um, I, I now live on uh, the wrong ocean. I grew up on the Atlantic. I now live on the Pacific. <laughs> um, and so a year later in fifth grade, when they asked again, I said journalist. And that was the answer that remained for the rest of my wow. um, early education. And um, But, you know, I went to Wheaton College, that Wheaton College, not the Seven Sisters School in the Northeast, but the one you're thinking of. Right. That's the one I went to. <laughs> um, and they, we didn't have a journalism program per se. And I think by the time it came time for me to go to college, um, I think I might have said the international relations of law. I think I was pre-law for like a half a second until I realized <laughs> I was in a classroom with a bunch of Republicans. And I <laughs> was clearly not that. And I was freaked out because I didn't know that that was the only way you could be a Christian and uh, politically <laughs> active was if you're a Republican. So that was real. So I left that behind, ended up getting a degree in French like you do um, <laughs> and, and uh, in literature, but I did start doing and then taking whatever journalism classes I have, but I started doing journalism with the student newspaper my sophomore year. Um, and that happened uh, because, and this is a sort of, um, archetypal story for me. I was in the student union buying a bagel and somebody was talking about the student newspaper um, and we were ragging about how lousy it was. And I was saying this loud enough for the whole room to hear, I'm sure. Cause I, I had been a cheerleader so I can project. And um, little did I know that the guy standing behind me was like the city or the news editor or something like that. Dave Almroth, now a, a longtime lawyer in New York city. Um, and he said, oh yeah, well, if, if you think it's that bad, you know, maybe you should volunteer to do something about it. And he basically like triple dog dared me to go upstairs and volunteer. And so I did. Um, <laughs> and then I did, I did, I did work with the student newspaper in various capacities the rest of my career there. And that's where I really got the bug. Um, it wasn't a daily newspaper, it was a weekly newspaper, but we did what we could and yeah, we did right. take it seriously. And we also had a lot of fun and. Um, I took the journalism classes that were offered. I took the photojournalism class that was offered. I still love to do photography, although I'm um, a deeply, deeply amateurish at it. Um, so I graduated from Wheaton in 92 when the job market was almost as awesome as it's been the last couple of years here yeah. <laughs> um, and wanted to go into journalism. It used to be maybe 10 years before that and all of all of time. 10 years before when I graduated, the kind of thing that you could actually walk out of maybe even high school if you had enough chutzpah and get a job yeah. as a, a cub or, you know, an assistant or something, work your way up at a newspaper. Uh, that was not the case in 92, um, especially if you didn't have an undergraduate degree in journalism. So I worked, I got a job, the closest thing to journalism I could find at the time. And I was an associate and then an assistant editor at Daughters of Sarah magazine, which was published <laughs> in Chicago. Well, who doesn't know that? The first, <laughs> the, well, it was the first and only, I believe, Christian feminist magazine hmm. oh, nice. that w started the year I was born and ceased to be a couple of years after I started working there. Um, but it was a really interesting place to work um, with all these you know, empowered women who were a generation or two older than me in some cases. And sure. um, I remember going for the interview um, and saying the only things I wasn't comfortable writing about were homosexuality and abortion. 
and the first two assignments I had were about <laughs> homosexuality and abortion. And um, yeah, so it, it was it was an interesting time. But after a year of doing that and making you know kick-ass cappuccino froth at a local um, joint in Glen Ellyn, <laughs> Illinois, um, nice. so I had two jobs. You know, um, I realized that I if I was going to be serious about getting a job in journalism, I really needed a graduate degree. And so that's when I decided to get a master's in journalism. But at the same time, I had this competing interest in studying more about um, comparative religions. I sort of was fascinated with religion from an early, 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 again, one of my earliest memories. Another one of my earliest memories is me sitting on the floor of the family room with my parents' Time Life World Religions book and just being fascinated by the pictures of whirling dervishes and you know, Hindu women with mehendi on their hands and all that stuff. And like I said, my parents had lived abroad. My mother had lived in Japan. She had lived in um, North Africa and what predated uh, Libya. So all of this stuff was part and parcel of, of my home. And so I was sort of fascinated with that. And then faith was also a big part of my family's life in various permutations. We can get into that a little bit longer, a little bit later. I think you wanted yeah. to talk about yeah. that, my spiritual geography, as it were. Um, so I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to learn more about that just for my own shits and giggles. And I also <laughs> knew that I really, really wanted to do journalism. I wanted to do newspaper journalism, the real kind, not for a Christian magazine, not in a religious context. I wanted to maybe write about religious identity for a secular big city newspaper. That was my goal. Right. And a couple of years later, after I got ended up getting a master's in journalism and a master's in uh, theological studies from a seminary that's on the campus of Northwestern where I went for J school. I have been, I had, I basically been doing that ever since. Um, I started working for the Chicago Tribune as an intern. And then I was hired by a suburban newspaper called the daily South town on the South side of Chicago. I did that for a couple of years. And then starting in 2000, I worked for the Chicago sun times um, they brought me in as a suburban reporter, but what I knew and they didn't know when they hired me was that their longtime religion reporter was leaving. Because <laughs> that's how I roll. <laughs> maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh. So, yeah, so I was there for a few months and then Ernie left and I became the religion reporter. And then uh, about nine months later, they also gave me a column. And so I did both. Um, All of a sudden, I'm like terrified the next 10 to interview years. you now. <laughs> Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so, so what, what anyways, is it? What's this? What does a suburban reporter do? Just like every column is like, yeah, it's still a bunch of white people. <laughs> I, well, I, I covered the, at least the south suburbs of Chicago okay. are kind of like right, a little okay, more diverse. So, yeah. So it's like the what is it? Wisconsin's the Florida of the Midwest. Florida is the Florida of America, and the south suburbs are <laughs> that part of the Chicago area where it's, 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 the right. weird stuff happens, and it's a little still a little bit wild west pockets <laughs> yeah. and so my first gig at the daily south town was covering homer township which was an unincorporated part of uh cook county way south about as south as south as you could get in cook county uh which is the uh county where chicago is right yeah. um and so it, it you know i did it i think there was everything from i remember doing uh, a piece on a hedgehog Olympics. Um, <laughs> some, to, hard hitting, that's some hard hitting shit, hitting, man. Yeah. I'm assuming right? you want a, pul- a Pulitzer for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, my husband won the Pulitzer, but not for that. Later. Um, 
but I spent a lot of time in planning and zoning meetings. I could talk about egresses and ingresses and parking space studies and oh, la, 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 la. But I was always, whenever I could, I was looking for the religion stories that were out there. Right. And the way religion had been traditionally covered in most places, including Chicago, where religion is a sport, right along with basketball and football and baseball, um, it was institutionally driven. And when you're covering religion in Chicago, you can't ignore the Roman Catholic archdiocese because right, it's right. the 900 pound gorilla in the room yeah. and it affects right. everything because, you know, Roman, uh, Irish Catholics yep, held yeah. the seat of political power and, and largely still do even with Rahm Emanuel there. So, um, but I was always interested in the stories that weren't being told and I didn't really care about institutional religion. So I would only write about that when it would have been, um, wrong to ignore something, but I was looking for what I guess if I fast forward 20 years, I would now call sort of lived theology. Mm-hmm. Like how do you actually, okay, so this is what, this is, this is the team that you identify with. Right. And these are the things that you say you believe, but how does that really affect the way you're living? Right. Right. Which is the same kind of thing I was fascinated when I was four four or five years old, looking at the pictures of big Buddhas in Thailand and people, you know, prostrating themselves. And I couldn't figure out why they were crying in front of this big Buddha. And what does that mean? And how do they understand themselves and their relationship to, to God, to the divine, and then to, to everybody else. So those are still the things that I find um, the most compelling uh, intellectually, spiritually, and, and journalistically, and especially um, in such a time as this. Yeah. Although I'm, and, and now I find myself not actually doing daily journalism, and I desperately would like to get back into doing that because yeah. I feel like perhaps all hands on deck is not a bad thing <laughs> to be doing right now. For sure. Um, so you talked a little bit about um, growing up around printed media and how, you know, mm-hmm. before. CNN before, um, you know, 24 hour news coverage before all of, of that kind of happened as, as obviously things have changed. Um, as a journalist, how do you deal with the continual assault by the alt-right on the idea of truth, fact, scientific analysis in journalism, uh, being a reliable and trustworthy (laughs) source of information? I, I have to say, perhaps I was living, you know, under a rock, but that's a fairly new thing for yeah, me. Yeah. Right. Like the last six months new. Yeah, right. um, if we just say it, Nazis, not alt-right. It's just call them Nazis. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah right. <laughs> they were Nazis, exactly. Walter? Yeah, exactly. They were Nazis, Walter. <laughs> um, phones ringing, dude. Uh, so, yeah, it's... So, right, especially, like I said, I'm, I'm not doing daily journalism right now. Right. And, and my husband's also a journalist, and he continues to do daily journalism, although not for a traditional media outlet. He's doing it in the private sector, um, doing the same kind of stuff that he did before about criminal justice. So I am just sort of champing at the bit to actually get back into doing something with this skill set and expertise that I have, because what we don't need right now is one more opinion about religion oh, and spirituality sure. right. and faith. There's plenty of that out there. And I did that. I've done that for largely the last decade, almost exclusively as a commentator. I still do you know, straight journalism occasionally, but I've largely been a columnist. And I can't be one more voice just screaming into the abyss at the right. moment. That, yeah. So what I feel like, what, what do you do as a journalist? Well, you do what you're trained to do 
trained being the operative word there. Right. Um, lots of people call themselves journalists these days. Like and Alex, I'm sorry, like but, Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, I could, if you get me started, we could just start names for hour, the podcast but, will be over at know, that point. Just let you go. Just because you call yourself a journalist doesn't mean that you actually are. Right. And there is in fact a skill set to this and there's training yes. and there's an ethos right. and there's a way to do it. The basics, I don't care what your medium is. There's the basics of good reporting that really should be the basis for any, and I tried as often as I could to make it the basis for mine, for any commentary and colonizing. Right. should also have some reportage in there, otherwise you're just navel-gazing um, and pulling stuff out of your ass. I mean, right. this, so I'm heartened by a few things that I've seen happening right now, because more or less, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, I don't know, I'm re now I'm reciting vows. <laughs> for better or for worse, right now, I'm a consumer of media more than I am a producer of it. Right. Certainly more than I've been in the past. So as a consumer and as somebody who, you know, still identifies as a journalist, um, what do we do? I, I'm heartened by seeing what's happened in terms of the public's resistance and response to the idiocy that's happening right yeah. now. Is that we've seen people just start subscribing. Yeah. Yes. So the it New York Times like, and the Washington Post, right. I mean, their subscriptions are way, way up, and they are in a. Somebody described it today as a home run derby. Yeah. Between the two of them, and thank God for that. Yeah. yeah. Because this is the time when everybody's got an opinion, and we are we're all a little bit freaked out. Everybody's afraid, so that makes you do stupid shit. We need people who are rational, who will not just chase every tweet or every asinine thing that's done that are largely, I think, meant to be a distraction yep, from what's right. actually happening. Yep. We need the people who can keep their heads on straight and chase the facts and keep digging. And we're seeing a lot of that happening. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really encouraging. And so, you know, as journalists, I think um, a lot of us, there are a lot fewer of my friends working as journalists in traditional media now than there were 10 years ago yeah but i think the opportunities are coming back around because we're needed yeah there's almost I mean, the so much to report about that you i mean it's just it's a new <laughs> it's needed. a new fucking horror show every day it, it, it's so it, exhausting it, yeah it is yeah and, and like, um uh, so it I've seems had, like oh sorry go ahead no it's okay I, I mean i had these moments of just like i didn't know what else to do so i just sat down one day and like i gave money to the aclu never done that before in my right. life I subscribed to like all the left-leaning magazines I subscribed to when I was young and, and guileless, you know, some other Jones in the nation and all the things I used mm -hmm. to subscribe to when I was at Wheaton just so just, well, because I was interested, but also because of the shock value of picking them <laughs> up from, you know, this, the college uh, post office and being like, what is this? <laughs> um, you know, I even gave money to the guardian bless their hearts over there in London because they're doing good journalism and have been, um, just to, to feel like I was doing something. Right. And, and now, um, and I know I'm not alone among a number of my friends who left traditional journalism either by attrition or because the, the outlet they were working for disappeared or because they eliminated most of their staff or whatever it was. I know a lot of us are looking or sort of champing at the bit to get back into it. You know, um, we're at the ready and I, and I, I hope more of us can can get back into it. And I'm as much as I've waved younger people off getting into journalism in the last 
five to eight years in particular, because it's just a really difficult, we haven't figured out what we were doing or how to do it anymore. And it's just, it's been a rather chaotic time for um, traditional journalism. Um, but I think we're figuring it out now because it's an emergency right. yeah. and we see how much we're needed. So we need, yeah. we need Bob Woodward again. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it <laughs> well, seems, maybe not Bob. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like, it seems like the more that uh, Trump yells fake news, the more that rational Americans are going, I'm going to look at the Washington post and the New York times. Yeah. Like it seems to be, there's like this weird correlation between the more he decries the media, the stronger it seems to be getting it's like don't yeah. touch the corn baller yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> gotta touch the corn baller exactly son of a that's yeah. right um, it's <laughs> what do you do when the very definition of language yeah um is under attack yeah you know, we live through what is, it depends on what the definition of is, is during the Clinton years. But this <laughs> yeah. is like yeah. exponentially more s- severe yeah. and orchestrated and um, pernicious than yeah, I, that I wish, moment I was. wish we were still just talking about Oval Office blowjobs. Like, you know? you know what I mean? Like you thought that was a huge <laughs> Boy, deal. Those, but those were the times. Man, oh man. Oh, yeah. the good old you days. Know, yeah, now we're talking like a... colluding with Russia, which is really just super neat. <laughs> and now we're like. Is it that wrong? Was it really that? I mean, can you imagine 15, 20 years ago? <laughs> no, no. We're talk- Are you kidding me? Oh, so I, I, uh, Pete Souza, who was uh, Obama's yeah. White yeah, House photographer. He's a was great the- Instagram follow. Well, he's awesome. And, yeah. and he, was a, he was a photographer at the Chicago Tribune, so I actually knew him um, briefly in oh, Chicago. Nice. My husband knew him for years. And his stuff has just been hilarious. So I think today, this he's morning, been was, do you remember time. when this was? Yep. The uh, controversy was um, Obama at uh, Chipotle, not, not Adobe, Chipotle. Thank yeah. you. Leaning over the sneeze guard to point at which yeah. uh, vegetable he wanted on his burrito. And that was yeah. the scandal. Or he wore a um, tan suit one time. That yeah. was a big deal. Because because he wasn't presidential. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Where do we start? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But we also um, it's so easy. It's easier now than it's ever been in my lifetime to be entrenched in partisan about all of this. Um, but I think what to be, to take it down a notch and be serious for a second, I think what we really need in terms of my wheelhouse as a journalist, um, we need journalists and writers who can help us understand each other because we are so talking past each other and we are so polarized, um, in a way that I couldn't even fathom um, a few years ago when we, it felt like we were polarized then. Ha. Yeah, man. Um, right. I know. And we, we, we have to go back to basics of who are we as people and what, what does it, what does it mean to have, what, what do your values say about you? Instead of just taking the label as the be all end all of whatever the truth is or the truthiness is of the moment. Right. You have to where, you know, labels are great for toxic waste and cans of beans, but they don't really <laughs> go very far for humans. We're, we're complex and we're complicated and we're nuanced. And, um, when it comes to this kind of acrimony over the most basic levels of humanity, who are, what does it mean to be human? Yeah. What does it mean to be part of a community? What, responsibility do I have for anybody other than myself? Um, you need, we need people who can not again, sort of not be distracted by all of 
the noise and the shit show and go, okay, well, we really, let's take a step, way step back and say, what are we really talking about here? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I hope to do. And that's what I hope more of us will do. Um, in the midst of the circus, we need, you know, ration right. reason and, and rationality. And we need science and all that stuff. And, um, Rather than panicking, and I did plenty of that, believe me, at the beginning of the year <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. end of last year. Plenty of panic yep, here at my yep. house. Um, to quote the guy I just spent some time around on the road, Bono and you 2 are touring right now. and I've, I've just spent some time around them, and Bono usually every night says, we don't agonize, we organize. And I, I think that has been the singular encouraging thing yes. to come out of all of this, is that you see people actively resisting and actively planning yeah. together to and encouraging each other to keep up whatever it is that hopefully will right the ship and yeah. will bring us um, back to some sense of unity <coughs> sooner than later. Well, what is it Japan said when they bombed Pearl Harbor? I feel like we've awakened a, sw- a sleeping dragon. I mean, giant. like mm-hmm. a sleeping giant, yeah. something. I mean, that's essentially what's happened is that the election of this guy in I use that term loosely in the Oval Office has has awakened something with people who have common sense and rationality. <laughs> yes, that's true, yeah. and also an entire um, squadron or seventy of Death Eaters. It would seem. Um, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Where it would just, you know, shot. We're like Schadenfreude on steroids. Yes, you know, as indeed. a culture. And that's yeah, it's bringing out our very the opposite of our highest and best selves. And yep, we yep. need. We need to um, work with, highlight, tell the stories of people who are our best angels. Because, yep. yeah, otherwise it's so easy to fall into this just gross, itchy, but like satisfying in the basest of yeah. senses yeah. of just slinging crap at each other. Yep. Yeah, we live deep in the heart of Trump country, so we yeah. totally get it. <laughs> Dude, I'm in Orange County, California, yeah. on a little blue raft called Laguna Beach, but deep in Trump country yeah. here as well. And, yeah. um, you know, so, yeah. But, I mean, make no mistake, this is not the same thing that happened when George W. Bush was running. No, right. not even nope. close. And not even this close. was not, this is so entirely different. Yeah. For yeah. the first time in my life, I think I've always been, you know, more or less of an optimist. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a Presbyterian. I don't believe in the total depravity of man. I think the world is a beautiful place and largely that people are inherently good. Mm-hmm. Um, but lately I've had that, maybe it's also because I'm middle-aged, but um, I feel like I hit it face first earlier this year where suddenly the world feels like all the movies on the Lifetime channel. Like, you know, <laughs> Everything is out to kill us. The end is nigh. You should be terribly afraid and hurry up building your bunker. I mean, that's really how I felt. It's, it's like and, real life Sharknado. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, except not as funny. Except, um, right, except the shark is a giant orange man that wears a suit in the Oval. Yeah, he doesn't scare me as much as everybody else does. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's turn a little bit. You mentioned a little bit your spiritual uh, journey. So let's turn to that just for a little while. Um, you described your background as Catholic turned Baptist turned freelance Episcopalian. Yeah, that's still about right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about your spiritual journey, kind of where you've come from and where you are now. Well, I think as I mentioned, you know, faith was always a 
integral part of my family of origin. Um, I am half Irish and half Italian and all of all but one of my grandparents were immigrants. Mm. So we were deeply, 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 deeply Catholic. Yeah. Um, and you know, like my, my great aunt was a sister of mercy. So sister Mary Charles, oh, wow. my yeah. great aunt was, you know, at every family, every holiday, every you know, birthday, every first communion, every confirmation, you know, she was just part and parcel of my household gro- growing up. And, you know, in my experience, Irish Catholics are far more, um, uh, what's the word I want to use, vigilant than the Italians <laughs> are um, about, you know, the Italians are like, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we go to church and we go to mass and we do the thing, but we're not, you know, we're not crazy about it. The Irish, not so much. So we were like, we were very, my mother was always a very, pi- still is a very pious person and, you know, uh, was almost a nun. Um, they winged her, but didn't quite get her all the way. And, <laughs> but she was always, you know, so, and my dad, the Italian, um, my mom, the Irish, uh, my dad was, you know, kind of whatever, sure, it's good, whatever. Um, I, re- <laughs> again, with the early memories, sitting in the back row of church at mass when I was probably six years old with my dad doing this um, out of the side of his mouth, running commentary about Father Rooney the priest who was probably three sheets to the wind and or hung over that morning. And, you know, just to me, cause my mom's on the other side, she can't hear him and he's saying this to me. Um, so he, you know, was a faithful person, but with a heaping dose of don't take yourself too seriously. Sure. Um, don't take, you know, there's, there's joy. He wasn't about, he wasn't doctrinaire in the least right. ever for a moment in his lifetime. Um, but also was, you know, would be deeply touched by the profundity of his experience with, with the love of God, sure. you know, wasn't afraid he would be moved to tears in church, but you know, don't get too uptight with all your rules and regulations or he's going to be the first one to push the envelope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mother on the other hand is, was very much, it still is in, to a certain degree, a, a rule follower. And so in about late seventies, early eighties, I think I was around 10. So 1980, um, my mother and then my father had a born again experience. Huh. Um, and it happened to be at a Bible study run by the Southern Baptist church in wow. Fairfield, Connecticut. Boy, that's a, that's and, a, that's a complete 180, isn't it? <laughs> right. And so we let the only people in my family on both sides, including the family I married into the only folks who are not actively Roman Catholic is my mother, my father, my brother, myself, and my husband who describes himself as a collapsed Catholic, but everybody else is Catholic. <laughs> that needs everybody. to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, everybody else Catholic. is Catholic. Yeah. Collapsed Catholic. Um, <laughs> and so we left the church and I was, I had made my first communion, but it was before I'd made, made my uh, confirmation. And so, and I was precocious then as now. And, you know, was, I think all children are fundamentalists. And so I was a super fundamentalist yeah, right. about whatever it was that sure. we were believing at the time. Right. And so I felt it was, you know, necessary to leave Catholicism because, you know, that actually is about worshiping saints and all the stuff that of course isn't actually true. Um, <laughs> but so off we went to the Southern Baptists who were at the time uh, meeting in a, a public school in Fairfield. And what I got from the Southern Baptists was the grace of God and a lot of love forward community, ice cream socials, 
Um, you know, they, it was a very different experience from what my experience at, in the Catholic community had been at the time. Right. And so it was awesome. You know, yeah, church was longer, but you know, the music was better and they had like food afterwards. And there was this thing (laughs) called sweet tea, which I hadn't known anything about. (laughs) And so, you know, that was the church I largely grew up in. My mother went on to become a Pentecost charismatic then a Pentecostal and and has been involved in the sort of Tulsa side of of that situation okay, for okay. the last 25 years or so but my brother and my father and I you know dug our heels in and stayed at the Southern Baptist Church um, <laughs> but I had a lot of other I went to a Christian high school so I had a lot of different kinds of um, the sort of gradation of grays within Protestant evangelicalism so you know, there was the E free people. There were the other Baptists. Um, there were the the scary Assemblies of God, who I went to their youth group for like three months and thought I was losing my salvation every week and panicking. <laughs> you know, that was a beautiful thing about um, the Southern Baptists. It was very, very clear that you know, one and you're done. Yep. And I think I write this somewhere in one of my books about it's you know, once you let Jesus in your kitchen, he never stops making peanut butter and banana sandwiches. He's just always there. <laughs> so that was very comforting. And so I didn't get hit with a lot of when people talk about Southern Baptists of the negative stuff that I know it was there. That's just not the impression that it made on me. So I have very fond memories largely of the Southern Baptist church. And so then I I trundled off to Wheaton um, where my freshman first semester, freshman year, we were mandatory. There was still is mandatory a chapel at Wheaton. And every semester you were seated according to a different rubric. And so that first semester, it was with the other Southern Baptists. And I can, I was just telling somebody this the other day, I can, in my mind, look down the row and I don't think a single one of us is still Southern Baptist. (laughs) Um, And I'm, I'm pretty sure that of the handful of guys who are in my row, at least two thirds of them are gay. (laughs) <laughs> and, and happily living out and affirmed and all of that stuff. So, but that, yeah, that was about the last time I was actively a Southern Baptist. And then I just started exploring within the very um, safe uh, uh, milieu of, of Wheaton and evangelical Christianity there. You know, I started by um, going, I don't think I ever went to a Southern, I don't think there was a Southern Baptist church in Wheaton. Probably not. Um, but, <laughs> Yeah, you know, there were other Baptists, but not that particular kind, and not the right kind. Right, of course. Southern yeah, Baptist. yeah, yeah. Well, so, that goes without saying. Yeah. Not the right kind. So, not the Southern Southern Baptist. So, <laughs> I went to college church because it was the thing that was closest when it was cold, um, closer to the dining hall, and and then eventually started going to uh, Jesus People, which oh, was a right. commune yeah. in in up yeah. in the uptown neighborhood of Chicago mm-hmm. that had been around. And still is around. It mm-hmm. had been around since the Jesus movement, Jesus people movement of the of the '60s. Right. And when I was in college, there were still about 400 people who lived in community in a in a high rise, uh, right off of Lakeshore uh, in Montrose, I think is the street. And they had this just totally group. This is in my hard like neo deadhead phase, you know, <laughs> where I wasn't shaving my legs and I was wearing a lot of patchouli. <laughs> Uh, I still wear a lot of patchouli, but I shave my legs more often than I used to. Um, and I went there, and it was just, this was right, I was actually there the Sunday that Jesus People became a, an official part of the Evangelical Covenant Church. Um, but they had, 
like seven pastors and most of them look like roadies for motorhead and <laughs> there was a woman and one of them was an asian guy and it was just like this really groovy kind of place um and so i did that for a while on and off and then i eventually um went sauntering toward canterbury and hung out in various <laughs> episcopal churches because that was like i said i never i i i didn't leave Catholicism in a huff. I left my parents, you know, right, loaded right. up the family truckster and went down to the, the Baptist. But <laughs> so I still had a lot of that, you know, a, a lot of that um, early experience of liturgy and and the beauty and the magnificence in the truest uh, sense of that word uh, of Catholicism. And so that what the liturgy the liturgy the liturgy in the episcopal <laughs> church George was Bush like calls it <laughs> was liturgified um was similar enough and it harkened back to something primal you know yeah, right right um but it, then it was you know all, all the good things that the episcopal church is you right. know they were they were they're were quoting c.s lewis and and Auden and all the stuff and then smells and bells i still like my smells and bells so yeah it, and then from there um you know, I went to a, a United Methodist seminary. I've, I've neither been, I've never been United or Methodist ever, <laughs> but it just happened to have the program um, at the time that was a double master's program to train people to be religion reporters for the secular media. So that's, oh. that's why I wound up there and not across the street at, at Seabury, which was the Episcopal seminary or, you know, at mm-hmm. Berkeley, um, which was another option I was looking at for sure. if I was going to study comparative religions. But, um, and I sort of, you know, wandered around and still, you know, if I pull into a new place and I feel compelled to go to church, I usually look for the Episcopal church. Sure. But I'm, um, as to quote another friend of mine, uh, comfortable and as uncomfortable in lots of different kinds of churches. Mm-hmm. And then I went to, you know, for the better part of 20 years, I've gone to church for a living as a journalist. Right. So, and, and I've, sp- I've spent more time in, in the Vatican than probably anywhere else and spent more time studying and deeply entrenched in American Catholicism than anything else. Um, mm. a, apart from my own weird right. and unwieldy evangelical big, big house tent. <laughs> so, um, okay. So the story about how you met your son, I watched videos. I read several articles about it. I freaking cried. Like yeah, a freaking it's a good baby. one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah can, it's a great story. <laughs> can you tell our listeners about how you met your son? Well, I was, okay, so um, in, just after uh, the turn of the millennium, millennium, when we were talking about the Jubilee year, right. is probably when I started writing occasionally about Africa. Always been interested, mm-hmm. got interested in um, AIDS activism when at least I was aware of it and started to, you know, do a few things here and there um, domestically when I was at Wheaton and was aware of what was happening in sub-Saharan Africa with the AIDS pandemic. Um, And, you know, so occasionally whenever I could, I would, I would write about it uh, usually in a column. Sometimes if somebody was coming through and doing something interesting in the faith community connected to Africa, and I don't mean in the traditional sort of colonial missionary sense but you know actually doing something interesting i would do that um something interesting and helpful and actually you know deeply spiritual and not just doctrinaire so 
And then in um, 2002, this is a long story, but it, it'll, it, it's worth it. Um, <laughs> in 2002, and I, I've been, I should preface this by saying, I mentioned you two a little bit before. Um, the very first epiphany, spiritual epiphany, I don't know. That, is there any other kind of, I've had this argument with people. Can you have an epiphany that's not spiritual? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's I feel a like good sort question. Of, yeah. Um, it's we'll, like an we'll discuss a- that on ATM. another podcast. We'll have you on back again to discuss that. <laughs> I'm looking for an ATM machine. It's just like it's redundant. But um, the first epiphany I recognized as having had was the first time I heard you two. And it was on a f- in my friend Rob Lunetta's living room in, in Trumbull, Connecticut. Hi, Rob. And on his, hi, Rob. And on his, I haven't heard from him in 30 years. Rob, if you're listening, please get in touch. I've, I've dedicated books to you and stuff, and I've never heard anything. Um, he had older brothers and sisters. And I remember this. this is, some of this might be apocryphal, but in my mind, I remind, it, it's a sunken living room that kind of had shaggy carpet, and they had a big hi-fi, like the size of a credenza. <laughs> and, he's, and he said something to the effect of, I want you to hear this new band that his brother or sister had told him about. And I believe what he said is, they're Irish, but they're Christians. I love the butt part. <laughs> um, and put on, I, I, it was the October album, I think, where yeah. the first cut is Gloria. Yeah. And I've written and told the story a number of times in various forums. Hearing the sound of that, if you can imagine the song where it's just the, the I think it's, Larry starts on the drums and then Adam and then Edge's guitar and then Bono starts to sort of wail. And it was like nothing I had ever heard in my life. And it was, I said, my soul did a backflip. And that's what it felt like. And then I hear him saying these words that I couldn't have told you were Latin at the time, but they were from the mass. I could recognize them from church. But it was in, in this visceral sounding music that was moving my body and it sounded like rebellious and I just I loved it and I wanted to figure out like okay if they're Christians and it's okay for them to do this what is it okay for me to do yeah like it it was a different iteration of what it meant to live your faith yeah and so that was when I was 12 or 13 so you two's been with me for the long haul (laughs) super fan I don't make any um Yeah, no, I, and they know this. So um, I paid close attention, you could say, to what the band did over the years. Yeah. And I, you know, I was always very, found Bono very compelling, especially when, uh, in his lyrics, certainly, and you have to be, have your head somewhere to not have realized that he's been writing about faith all of this time. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, when he started when he talked about his faith in interviews, which was infrequent after the early eighties, because he was got so much pushback from everybody from all sides. Um, I just, I, I was always looking for what he was saying next. So I was paying attention. So in 2002, I heard, um, that he was getting on a bus to do a tour of the Midwest. And I found out because my best friend's sister was working in like the writers section of live nation at the time, mm-hmm. you know, what, what color jelly beans can they have or not have or whatever. And she <laughs> saw this thing and she ca- told her sister, her sister called me and I was like, nah, there's that's, that can't be true. They, they don't get on buses anymore. What is this? 1985. You know, <laughs> that can't be true. And she calls me. She's like, look, I'm looking at the writer right now, but it doesn't say the whole band. It just says Bono. So, trained journalist that I am, I started digging and ended up calling Paul McGinnis 
their or emailing Paul McGinnis, their longtime manager, who's no longer their manager. Um, his assistant said, hold on, let me check this out. Called me back and said, uh, yeah, it's not the band. It's him. He's doing something else. It's something about Africa. I don't know. And gave me the name of this woman who was doing their media. Jen Bluestein is her name, who I then tracked down through the Cory Booker campaign where she was some sort of PR flack hmm. two years before. This is the early days of, of Googling. Um, <laughs> and, and just was persistent until she called me back. And I basically found out that he was doing this thing. This is before the one campaign. It was something that they were launching called data debt aids trade Africa. And they were in fact getting on a bus and driving from Nebraska to Kentucky um, trying to get the evangelical church in particular hmm. to respond to the AIDS crisis. And I talked my way onto the bus wow. and wow. ended up being the only journalist who traveled with them the whole time wow. as a religion reporter. That was the thing. I was like, if I do this, he has to know that I'm coming in my capacity as somebody who writes about faith. And this is what I know about him. And I really would like to talk to him about what he's doing and why he's doing it. Cause I know why it is. Will he be open to talking about it? And bless his heart, he was. Huh. Trusted me enough to, to actually really open up about his faith again. And so that started my relationship with the One Campaign, which came to fruition about a year later. Right. Um, you know, Bono and I you know, hit it off. I wrote about him for a while as a, as a journalist and then sort of stopped after a number of years because I was too close to him and because I have journalistic ethics and you're not supposed to do that. So <laughs> once I realized that I probably couldn't be, um, I couldn't be a straight journalist with them anymore, I just stopped doing that. So if I wrote, I've, I've written about them in the last probably 10 years, it's been as a columnist mm -hmm. writing about their music or whatever. But so that experience, hearing them trying to wake up the community that was essentially my people right? Yeah. and why that was important and some of the pushback that they got and then some of the wonderful responses that they got started sort of a reconciliation process for me with the evangelical community. Um, actually, the first time I had been back in Edmond Chapel at Wheaton was with him on that tour. After I, I graduated in 92, so it was like 10 years later, I came back as a, as a reporter. I actually filed a story backstage while he was still talking. <laughs> but it, it really, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I look backwards and a lot of things that have been the most important things in my life for most of my adulthood have come from what started at, in a blizzard in, in, in Nebraska on a bus. <laughs> and so all of that is to say, um, a few years after that, in 2005, I was writing my first book. And Bono was the first chapter in my first book. And when I got that book contract, I wanted to do something to sort of say thank you. And the one campaign doesn't take donations, monetary donations. And so I asked somebody there, I was like, if you had X amount of dollars to give to an organization in sub-Saharan Africa right now that needs it now, not long-term planning, right, not right. for staffing, but like, who is it? And she, this is Bono's um, sort of chief of staff, Lucy Matthews, she responded to me and said, um, here are three, one's in Uganda, one was somewhere else and one was in Malawi and the Mal Malawi was a place that I had to look up on a map. I didn't know where it was. Yeah. Right, yeah, I, right. I thought she meant Mali and then it came to <laughs> Malawi. And so I always sort of take the road less traveled by. And so that's where we gave this donation to this organization that worked with street children. And it wasn't an orphanage. It was street children. Um, so we did that. Didn't really think much of it. 
Um, my first book came out. I got a second book contract. Was that book that I was writing about Grace called right. Sin Boldly, mm-hmm. where I was starting to have to have um, sort of intentional experiences to see where grace would show up in the wild. Right. So I went to my favorite place in Ireland, and I, you know, I spent all of Passover with the only resident rabbi in Montana. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I did all these things. I went down to the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, and it was just a, a year or two after uh, Katrina. Um, and then we had, this is the, to me, this is where I can't escape the, the roots of my religious experience that tells me that an encounter with God is, is profound and mysterious, uh, and very, very real, um, that I, this is where I just see God's fingerprints in Providence, sure. whatever that means all over my life. Um, I, when I was working at the Sun-Times, this would have been in 2006, maybe, um, a, another columnist at the paper was hiking Kilimanjaro as a fundraiser for some NGO, um, in Africa and asked us if we wanted to come to the gala. And I'm always wanting to go to a gala when invited. I usually say yes, but we were going to be, my husband and I were going to be traveling at the time. And, and so we couldn't do it. And I'm really sorry. We'd love to go. She says, well, how about a raffle ticket? And I was like, okay. And this, what I remember is that she had them, they were 10 bucks a piece and I bought 10 <laughs> and then put them in my drawer at the newspaper and never thought about them again because I never win anything ever. Never yeah, a door we can, prize, we can, we can relate to nothing, that. Yeah. a scratch yeah. off, nothing. And so, you know, I, like I said, we were out of the country when the gala happened and the drawing was, and she had sent an email out saying, nobody won. Sorry, guys. Hmm. And I never thought about it. And I was on my way to an assignment with, um, and again, here's God's fingerprints, uh, to interview Jean Vanier from the Larsh oh, right. communities, yeah. who's, uh-huh. you know, a living saint and right. one of those, one of the few people I've ever met who's just sort of sucks the air out of the room yeah. in the best way yeah. when you're with him. And I was on my way there and I got a phone call and it was from somebody at the Global Alliance for Africa saying, uh, I thought they were pitching me a story and I was like, can I call you back? And they're like, no, 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 you won. I was like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, what did I win? He's like, the, the trip to Africa. I'm like, just like, what? <laughs> so we had, we had won the trip and they had apparently slaughtered the pronunciation of my name and so Deborah didn't comprehend that it was me who had won. So here we won this. So we won this trip and it was like, you know, we'd always, my husband and I we'd traveled a lot. We'd never been to Africa. Always wanted to go. It was sort of like this amazing experience. And I went down to interview Jean Vanier and cried the entire time. Just sort of overwhelmed by grace or whatever yeah. it was at the time. Um, and it still was one of my favorite interviews too. So. A few months later, I get this contract to write this book about grace. I start having these intentional experiences, and it's it's interesting and profound and moving. And my husband says, well, why don't we take that trip to Africa? And I was like, oh, okay. And it was going to be our 10th anniversary. It was October of 2007. And so we went, and it was for a trip to East Africa. And if you know anything about Malawi, it's sort of East Africa. It's more like Central South Africa, yeah. but close enough, you know? Yeah. So we went, they, they were sending us to Tanzania and Zanzibar in Kenya. And we said, can we add on a bit? Um, do you mind if we extend it ourselves and so we can go to Malawi and do a couple other things? And they said, sure. And so about halfway through our trip, um, we'd been um, all over Kenya. We were in Tanzania. We had done a game drive. It's just been this incredible experience meeting these remarkable people, visiting sites where they were doing um, really smart development work. And we left to go to Blantyre, Malawi. 
where this organization was based. And we were on the ground for not quite three days and um, came in one night, the next morning, got up, went and visited a bunch of these sites that work with street children. And we're heading back to Pedro's motel, where we were staying. And our guide <laughs> A lot said, of Pedro's in Malawi. Hi, hotel, Pedro. Know, right? But also, oddly enough, yeah, it's one of those places that just random people show up in. They also have fantastic Chinese food because the Chinese government is, <laughs> and companies have been doing so much construction there that they have these good. Anyway, so we're on our way back to Pedro's. And our, our guide from the organization says, do you mind if we stop, make one more stop? There's just one kid. He's kind of special. And I viscerally, vividly remember the moment of turning to my husband. It's like a million degrees. We've been out all day. All we want to do is go back to the bar and have a beer and look at the pictures we took and sort of decompress. <laughs> but we turned and said, sure, why not? And about 20 minutes later, we were on the side of this dusty road on the way out of Blontyre heading to the airport. Um, and like any place in the world, the airport road is usually not the best part of town. Right, um, huh? And that's what this was in this context. And Arguably the, arguably the poorest country in Africa. And we come down this embankment and there's this little clutch of mud and model huts and our guide yells something, which I now know was the name Vashko. And out comes this little dude <laughs> um, who is just beautiful and regal and had these huge eyes and, and cheekbones and this air about him that was like a king. Um, and to make a long story short, we very quickly, as he's sitting on my lap, realized that he was, he was very ill. And I kind of had this mom clarity that I, and now in retrospect, I realized it was that mom moment of looking at him and going, what is wrong with him? Yeah. And all that they could tell us was that he had a hole in his heart. Um, and that they had, they had one chest screen in one of the huts they brought out and we held it up to the sun and you could just see this huge cloud that filled two thirds of his chest where, which was this enlarged heart. And we, you know, tried to find out as much as we could and said, um, we're going to talk to the head of the organization. We're going to, he needs to, he needs help right away. It was just really clear to us that he was not, he was really not well. And we spent the rest of our not quite 30 hours or so that we were there trying to get him that help. And also very quickly realizing that there was none to be forthcoming mm -hmm. and we had to go, we had to leave. We had to be somewhere. There were people that were meeting us back in Tanzania, and we had to go to the airport. And we stopped back and saw him on our way. And I remember before we had left for Africa, we had had this, these briefings with the head of the organization in uh, Global Alliance for Africa in Chicago. And one of the things he said is, you know, we try to t a lot of this can be very overwhelming emotionally. And we we ask people to try if you're if you're feeling like you're going to lose it try to do that privately right because right. It, it especially when there's a language difference people aren't going to understand why you're crying or why you're reacting the way you're acting they could be insulted or, or afraid or whatever and frankly we had never had that response you know the first place we went in kenya was kibera which is the largest slum in africa and we're overwhelmed by the joy and industriousness and hospitality and energy and just sheer will of the people we met there um, and we met a lot of poor people in dire circumstances, but that's, we weren't, we didn't feel sorry for them. We we're sort of in awe of them and wanted to do whatever we, so here we are with this kid. And so I knew I wasn't supposed to tell this strange child that was probably going to die before I could see him again, that I loved him, but I did. I broke wow. all the rules. I said, I love you. And I meant it. And, um, I, you know, didn't make him any promises. I said, but we, we 
do everything we can to help you. I don't know how much of that he caught. And then we had to go to the airport and I ugly cried, like wailing <laughs> all the way back to Tanzania. Um, I just, I was so angry. I was so, so angry. I remember looking down from the plane um, and thinking about, you know, when you take off from O'Hare, or you land at O'Hare or Midway, you can sort of see this Chicago. And I thought, God, if this kid was even the poorest kid, the homeless, poorest kid in Chicago, whatever's wrong with them, I feel fairly certain we in the States could do something about, and he'd be in Sturger hospital that night having something done. Mm -hmm. But here he was because he was poor and African and because his parents had died of this pandemic, he was probably going to die, um, way too soon and before I could do anything. And I just felt so angry and helpless. And then I thought yeah. about this voice came to me and it was the voice of a friend that happens to be that guy from Dublin who sings, who had told me years before <laughs> when I was playing devil's advocate with him and saying, what do you say to people who say, you know, Africa, you're just throwing good money after bad or, you know, there's so much need. Where do you even start? Does it make any difference? And and he said, you know, Kathleen, we can't do everything, but what we can do, we must do. And in that moment, I remembered that he had said that to me. And I thought, well, I'm not Madonna, uh, who had just adopted a kid from, from Malawi right. um, a few months before that. And, and that was big news, I'm, too. It, it was big news. And, I, and I, I'm not independently wealthy. I am by Malawi standards, but, you know, I can't airlift him out of here myself. And right. I'm not a politician, but I'm a journalist and I have a voice and I have a venue. And so I wrote a column about him and, um, it ran on a Friday and by Saturday midday, six surgeons in three hospitals in Chicago said that they would fix him if huh. we could get him there. Wow. And then, you know, just, this was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life apart from actually becoming that little boy's mother was the response of big hearted people in a place as diverse as Chicago who sent in $10, $1,000, sky miles, whatever. And we set up a, a trust fund for this little boy at the newspaper to defray the cost, to get him over and medical costs for him there. And 18 months later, um, on April 29th, 2009, so eight years ago, he arrived. Um, managed to survive at least one, if not two bouts of malaria. And he was you know, oh. largely living on the streets dirt poor end stage emphysema lung capacity. Um, but he made it, but he made it. And, wow. um, eventually while it was supposed to stay with us, they thought it would take two weeks to have him diagnosed, have the surgery done and then send him back. So he was over on a limited visa, um, a travel visa. We were his sponsors. We had no designs on adopting him because at the time you really couldn't from Malawi if you were an American because of they weren't a part of the Hague agreement. They still, I think, aren't for international adoption. So there were sort of arbitrary rules set up that were not so evenly applied, um, basically saying unless you lived in country for three years, you couldn't even foster a child. Wow. Um, and yeah, so and they had because like most of sub-Saharan Africa, especially East Africa, there are large swaths of people my age, I'm in my mid forties who just don't exist because they're dead because of AIDS. So you have all these kids who um, end up living on the streets and, and they don't want to adopt them out, but they don't want to let them go. They don't want to take, they don't have the means to take care of them, but they don't want to adopt them out either. It was just sort of this crazy thing. Mm -hmm. So we were just focused on let's have Vashko not die. Let's fix him. And then we'll figure out what to do next. Um, 
when he arrived, he started going through the diagnostics and about, I think it was two weeks to the day that he arrived, he spiked a fever in church and we found out the next day that he had malaria, which has a two week incubation period. Wow. So he had, and it was mother's day, by the way, that he spiked the fever <laughs> oh, uh, because God has a sense of occasion. Um, <laughs> when they found out he had malaria, they started testing for all the other undeclared baggage that he had with him. And that pushed back his surgery by almost a month. And so he stayed with us a lot longer than we were expecting him to. And I had, I took him all over Chicago. I did all the things I'd never done before um, in a sort of mom or aunt kind of way. And we fell in love with him and started to also learn more about what he would be going back to. And it was grim. But we just, people started, of course, asking, are you going to adopt him? You can't send him back. And we like, we just want to get him through the surgery and then we're going to figure it out. And, you know, God, we want a raffle to find this kid on the other side of the planet. I feel like whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. Sure. So we just, yeah. he had the surgery um, the beginning of June. Um, it was perfect. He has a Gore-Tex patch on his heart the size of a quarter, and he is in perfect health now. Huh. Wow. And the day that he came out, the day that he was going from an ICU room to a regular room, so a few days after surgery, I was standing, I think, near the nurse's station or in his room, and there was the crawl on CNN that said, High Court of Malawi rules in favor of Madonna's option for, adoption for her second child from Malawi. It's a long scroll, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> yeah. but, um, and we were like, okay, uh, I don't know what kind of court system they have, but that sounds like case law. Yep. And it was. Yeah. And it was. And so the State Department worked with us, uh, and we kept him <laughs> and moved to California a month later overnight instant parents of a nine-year-old wow. um, <laughs> who had never been to school and didn't speak or didn't read or write in any language. Um, here we are. And did the adoption backwards. And a year later in 2010, went back over to have the court hearing in, in Malawi, not knowing if we'd be able to get him back out. Um, and we were there. We had, it was the summer. Do you remember when the, the um, Ice, Iceland volcano went yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. right. And so you couldn't travel the regular way. You had to go around the globe the other way if you wanted to avoid right, it and make yeah. sure you got there on time. And so instead of just going this, this sort of short, I'm making air quotes, short way to Malawi, we went the <laughs> long way to Malawi, had to be there. Got there um, two days, two or three days later, had the hearing, which was about five minutes long with this very completely poker-faced Malawian judge who wrote his opinion out longhand. <laughs> and it wasn't until I heard him say... I am bound by the case of Mercy James that I knew that he was going to approve our adoption because Mercy James was Madonna's daughter. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, so you have a son from Malawi because of God and or Madonna. And Bono, yes. <laughs> you know, like you do. So thank God for rock and roll. And, uh, Good Lord. Southern Baptist only winged me so that I was actually listening to that music. God, that is that one of the craziest freaking stories. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, oh, that's bonkers. It's, it's really wild. So, yeah, so Vashko is now 17. He's going to be a senior in high wow. school. That's awesome. Um, he's bright and uh, was at, I think I heard him just come in not too long ago. He's been at the beach all day surfing. He's a <laughs> soccer course, player. As, as and one does. absolutely delightful, delightful human being. That's and, great. And um, has actually done some advocacy work and traveled with me with the One Campaign back to Africa. So it's um, it's been a, well, it's been the most profound and 
I don't even have words for it. Best yeah. experience of my life. That's was great. That's awesome. Becoming this guy's mom. So. Okay, so yeah, we, that was a long story, but it was no, it was definitely <laughs> worth it. Definitely yeah. worth. It. Okay, wow. so we've had you for a little over an hour now. Do you have a little bit longer? Yeah. Okay, because we have. We yeah. Have, well, I'm sorry, there's no way we're going to have to edit this down. But, oh, we, yeah. we we will absolutely not. We don't edit. Yeah, we don't edit a damn Fantastic. thing. So, yeah, yeah. We will not edit a single <laughs> nope. thing. We've never okay. edited not one That's second. That's way of this too much work. So well, I'm sorry. So if you're listening, now would be a time that you could pause it. Go go, go to the potty. Yes. Get out of your water, Perfect. Back. Intermission. Yes. Intermission. Yeah, we want to be respectful of your time. So if you need to go, just just wave the flag. Whatever you need to do. I hate talking about myself, as you can see. You can see <laughs> um, so we're gonna skip over the Lebowski stuff for just just a minute because um, I want to continue on the kind of the spirituality, the spiritual train here that we're. Sort of right we are a, a quote Christian podcast. Yeah, quote, unquote. quote unquote. He- heavily <laughs> quote unquote. It's, so, been, it's been heavily disputed. Yes, it has. It has. I feel you. <laughs> so is my Christianity. Yeah. So we're good. Um, so in you wrote you wrote this book on um, the movies of the Coen Brothers, which are just phenomenal movies, um, called The Dude Abides. And you wrote in that, and actually you quoted it on Twitter today because um, we had <laughs> sent this to you. You wrote it, and I think it was in the chapter on, on the movie Fargo, actually, that I read this, and I was like, I need to talk about this. You said, sometimes it feels like love is a whisper lost in a hurricane, but like light in the darkness, love is exponentially more powerful than hate, and life is more powerful than death. So I read that and immediately thought, well, there's Trump. Um, and it feels like currently that love is getting its ass kicked by hate, and that mm. evil and corruption and greed and death, and you know, you talk about Syria and all these just awful things going on are just kind of having the final say. So what do you, what would you say to people? And I know you're not a spiritual guru or anything like that necessarily, but what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you say to people who kind of look around the world and in particular the U S right now and and are entirely skeptical, skeptical, gosh, what's that word? Skeptical. skeptical. Man, that's what 11%, 11% yes. beer I've been drinking. They're skeptical that love is actually winning and that, you know, to quote, to quote Walter Sobchak, that nothing is fucked here. Yeah. Um, well, oops. Stop talking at me. Um, well, okay. So a few things come to mind. One is, um, we're not even remotely near the end of the story. Right. Um, and love is used to getting its ass kicked, but, um, Shit, that right. just that right there. Guys, you really are you really are a journalist. You're like a quote machine. Holy <laughs> shit. That's fantastic. Thanks. I try. So do you guys watch Preacher? Oh uh, no, I, I just started it. Okay, you yeah, you need to. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um and I you know, I didn't I, I know this is gonna be shocking to you, but I didn't read the um co- comic, that's not the right word, the yeah, it's yeah. Like a graphic, graphic novel, novel that novel, it's based yeah. on. Upon which it is based. Um but so okay, so you just started watching it. So you've seen a couple of fight scenes. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. So, and I'm thinking more of Cassidy here than I am of Preacher. So Cassidy's the Irish sidekick who's a vampire. Yep. Um, <laughs> in every it's, it's fight fucking scene, great. That's such a great sentence. His, yeah, he basically gets his ass handed to him sometimes, almost literally, and but he always prevails. Hmm. But he lets himself get thrown around. He lets mm-hmm. himself get stomped on. Um, it's just also making me think of the the character of the dude in, in Lebowski, of Jeffrey we're, we're the dude fami- Lebowski. We're familiar with him, yes, yes very yes, much Yes, I know so. you are. <laughs> so you'll know that in that chapter I talk about the the Jewish mystical idea of Lamed Vavnitz. Yes. And, 
you know, I think I even say there, um, it's been a while since I wrote that and I haven't read it in ages, but I talk about how, uh, the, the dude as the antihero as this sort of sacrificial character yeah. as the, the un, unbeknownst to him and anybody else, holy person who kind of holds the fate of the world right. in his hands. Yeah. Gets knocked down and keeps getting up. Yeah. Yep. Gets yep. knocked down and keeps getting up, turns the other cheek, um, in all of the various accurate and inaccurate ways to understand that particular saying of Jesus of what turn the other cheek means. Right. Yeah. Of, um, and that's kind of, that's love. Love isn't afraid to get its ass kicked. It's not afraid to get itself dirty. It doesn't care what it looks like. It's not going to lose in the end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's this, there's this David Wilk. This, when you asked me this question, that's what I was looking up on my computer screen. You know David Wilcox, the singer-songwriter mm-hmm. yep. from mm-hmm. Asheville? He has a song called um, uh, Love Will Find a Way. Mm-hmm. And he talks about... I'm looking at... Um, here. He says, look, if someone wrote a play to justify... I'm going to try not to cry while I read this. To justify... I'm sorry. If someone wrote a play... To just glorify what's stronger than hate, would they not arrange the stage to look as if the hero came too late? He's almost in defeat. It's looking like the evil side will win. (laughs) So on the edge of every seat from the moment the whole thing begins, it is love who mixed the mortar. And it's love who stacked these stones. And it's love who made the stage here. And although it looks like we're alone... In the scene set in shadows, like the night is here to stay, there is evil cast around us. But it's love that wrote the play. Hmm. Sorry. Fucking so, <laughs> this is a free fucking podcast, Shit. man. Are you Sorry. kidding me? No. Oh, oh, you're you said she wouldn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, talk about yourself, they said. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels to me right now. And in fact, um, I just remembering as I were clumping my way through the lyrics that <laughs> on election night, when I started get, I, I was in Arizona. I had done some um, get out the vote stuff earlier in the day for the very first time in my life yeah. because I'm not at a newspaper. And so I can do things like that. Um, and I started getting texts from friends all over the world. Yeah. Freaking yeah. out. Yeah. That's what I sent them. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what to say except yeah. that my friend Dave said this and that's what my heart and my soul and my faith such as it is tells me is that this is might be fucking awful and feel like it now and maybe for a long time but that's not the end of the story and love love wins to quote my friend rob (laughs) love wins um you know, you know Rob Bell? I went to college with Rob. I fucking love Rob Bell. <laughs> yeah, we interviewed a Rob guy. a while back. Did yeah. you? Yeah. Face to face. It was wonderful. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. A yeah. Great human being. He's got that great giggle. He certainly does. In the world <laughs> yep. When he gets really excited about something. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, and is that based on anything, any empirical evidence, no. anything rational? Yeah. Absolutely not. Right. But I just feel like in the history of mankind, We've had some dark moments, many of them. Lots of horrible stuff has happened. Lots of evil seems to have prevailed. But I think 
that long arc of history that bends toward justice that Dr. King talked about, I think it bends towards justice, yeah. past justice to grace, right. and ends in love. Um, so it doesn't feel like it, and it's easy to be... It's, it's easy and hard to be consumed by fear and um, the darkness and all of this acrimony. And it's just everybody's edgy everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I, and I, like anybody else, I've fallen head into it and I have pulled up the uh, drawbridge and have completely bunker mentality my way through most of the spring here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I get that. But yeah. I ha- you have to remind yourself of the beauty that's still there and all of the twee things that we hear that feel trite um, in, the, in the moment or actually not in the moment. They might not feel trite in the moment, but from a little distance, we start to, to second guess ourselves when something horrible happens like Manchester. Mm, And when somebody comes out with that quote from Mr. Rogers, look for the helpers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's true. And that that is helpful to some of us. But, you know, so I try to not only retweet all of the horrible stuff that is coming out of the administration (laughs) or all all of the. Oh, don't even get me started on the Christians behaving badly. Franklin Graham, for heaven's sake. Oh, my gosh. Fire that guy into the sun. If there is a bunkhouse in heaven, I hope he's in a different one than me. Get um, get your shit together, man. Yeah. Go sit over there. But, you know, um, it's that's not the sum total of it. And so whatever kind of light you can refract for people whenever you can, and it might be 1% of the time, keep at it. It helps. It's there. It's true. Um, death and darkness and hatred are not going to win because they don't. Mm, they don't. Yeah. Not in the end. And, you know, a lot of times... Um, we think we're at the end of the story and we're only in the first chapter yeah. or we're in the middle um, or there's a sequel or something. Right. So, and I know that all of this is going to, to certain ears and, and probably to mine when I listen to this uh, sound <laughs> twee and trite, but you know, in, in desperate fraught nervous times, we cling to that, which we can and better to cling to, shiny, happy, twee yeah. things than to cling to despair. Yeah. That was fun. No, that's um, fantastic. No. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, you're basically, nothing is fucked here because they're a bunch of fucking amateurs. No, that's, that's right. It's just, like your, <laughs> it's just like your opinion, man. And, By and God, forgiveness, Lebowski you know? works for everything. It really does. It totally does. Walter is so You know, so I'm an ordained Judas minister. I'm a du- ordained yes, you are. Priest. I was at one point. I'm not sure what happened with that. but You yeah. don't, it doesn't get revoked, yeah, dude. The, oh, okay. That's eternal, well, man. I certainly am as well. The so. dude is eternal. That's right. So, that's, that seems like a good transition to Grace. Uh, you wrote a book about it, <laughs> literally, um, called uh, Sin Boldly uh, mm-hmm. is the name of the book, and which uh, comes from the Martin Luther quote, sin, but sin boldly, correct? You know, I looked it up for you. Hold yeah. on a second. Um, so I, I actually looked up my own book. <laughs> <laughs> so it comes from a letter he wrote to his buddy, nervous Phil um, Melanchthon. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1521 while he was hiding in Wartburg Castle um, and he was talking about I think if I remember correctly Phil 
was um, writing to him, being nervous about kind of cataloging his sins or, you know, was he missing one and was he repenting correctly? I've never done that. Uh, yeah. Um, and all this and that. And um, this was at a time when, um, you know, it was considered a sin to drink wine during the sacrament of, you know, Holy Communion, but it was perfectly fine to uh, purchase indulgences. Right. Of um, course, it was yeah. sinful for clergy to marry, but not, but uh, also sinful for Christians who weren't clergy to read scripture for themselves. It was just a really right. um, screwed up time. Not unlike the one we're living through now. Correct. Different yeah. context, but still. And so he said to him, I'm looking for the actual, um, if you are a preacher of grace, Marty tells Phil, then preach a true, not a fictitious grace. Mm-hmm. If grace is true, you must bear a true and not a fictitious sin. God does not save people who are only fictitious sinners. Be a sinner and sin boldly but believe and rejoice in Christ even more boldly for he is victorious over sin, death in the world. Um, yada, yada, you get the, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So that's, that was the context for that. Yeah. It's not sort of like we have grace. It's a get out of jail free card. Go right. Yeah. You know, be reckless. It doesn't mean that, but it just means, you know, you can't live a life that's, that's ruled by fear, right? Fear of screwing up, fear of doing it wrong, fear of just, just, you know, live. So in your mind, what is it about grace that has the power to transform people? You know, um, grace is one of those really, I think, hard to define in words things. Would you say it's amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. Thanks, my contribution. You're welcome. Yeah, and it's not, it's never cheap. Um, I love that expression, cheap grace, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah, sorry there, buddy. <laughs> Just hang out with Eric Metaxas some more. Um, <laughs> sorry, Eric. Um, I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, yeah he's right. Not. Absolutely. He's not. Yeah. Oh, Eric, where did we go wrong? He um, probably fucked off in the first episode when we fired Trump into the sun. So he's he probably was, he's gone. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, and New Canaan is such a nice place to live. It's only a few towns over from where I grew up, but I digress. So Grace, so Grace is one of those. It's like. Poor, it's kind of like porn. You don't, how do you define it? But you know it when you see it. It's sort of, grace is hard to define with words, but you know, you, and that was a Supreme Court case I was paraphrasing. Um, I think it's easier to, and I think I say this somewhere in that book, that it's easier to explain what it is with music. Yeah. Or a smell or a touch or a moment or a breeze. But, you know, grace is, what was the thing I say? Um, Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you absolutely don't deserve. Oh, absolutely. And grace is, yeah. and, grace is and that's, I, I think I pretty much bastardized that from wonderful Philip Yancey, but that's, yeah, right. That's the one I, you know, it's, it's also, you know, not, what's the other one? Not all bourbon is whiskey. Not all whiskey is bourbon, but all bourbon is whiskey. Right. Not all religion, not all spirituality is religion, but all religion is spirituality. And there's something about grace that fits into that too. So, but grace is the one thing that I think when we feel, perhaps at a time like this, where we ha- feel like we have nothing in common, nothing else in common, we are told that we all have this one thing in common. It's that grace is available to each and every one of us, all of creation. The Father and, says, everything I have is yours. And that there's not a damn thing we can do right. yeah. to earn it, 
You've always or had it. Yep. You've always had it. You just, it's just there. And, you know, in, uh, I talked about how I spent some time down the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and Louisiana mm-hmm. when I was working on the book. And um, there's a couple chapters that are set down there. And there's one called Screaming Frenchman about this wonderful <laughs> Presbyterian um, five point Calvinist um, preacher who grew up in a place called Bay St. Louis, which is where Katrina came ashore. Yeah. And basically wiped out like 85 to 90 percent of all the buildings in this artist colony, which is what Bay St. Louis, Mississippi is. And he was serving somewhere else in Alabama or one of those southern states and returned home to plant a church in a FEMA trailer, essentially. Yeah. And they called it Lanyap. You know that word? It's a Cajun uh, word. Just from reading your book. I've, I've been rereading it since we knew we were going to interview you. I've been rereading it the last couple of oh. days. So I just read that chapter like 12 hours ago, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so so, Jean, yeah. Jean LaRue is, is the, yeah. the cleric's yep. name. And and Alanyap is this wonderful no- idea. Um, it's this word that means if you go into a seafood purveyor and you buy a pound of shrimp, and when they're putting it on the scale, they take it another little handful and put that on top and that's yeah. called a lanyap. You can't pay for it. It's just a gift. <laughs> I wish somebody give me some extra it. shrimp. Okay. I like shrimp. You can't, you know, and that's, <laughs> yeah. and that's what, and he called the church lanyap because that's what grace is. That's great. Shit. Holy God. That is fantastic. <laughs> Once again, this is a fucking free podcast. Yeah. yeah it is. <laughs> okay. So we, we've kept you forever. One more question. And we're going to do a, a quick lightning round. So yeah. um, The Rock recently announced that he is interested in possibly running for president in 2020. I totally support that. I totally support that. <laughs> because, apparently, because you smell what he's cooking, apparently. <laughs> because apparently we're just not even trying in America anymore for good candidates. Um, who does The Rock choose for his running mate? Amy Poehler. Oh, I would vote I, for that out. in a heartbeat. I did not see that coming. Would I would vote for yeah. that. Yes, only if she. Polar. Yep. <laughs> only if she's in character from um, from uh, Parks and Rec. Rec. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's fantastic. <laughs> I want her to be in, in in character from Baby Mama. That'd be more. Fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, or just but just just Amy's badass self would be. Yeah, perfect. she's wonderful. Yep. Oh, you know, man. did you read? Was it, it was, who wrote? It was a Vanity Fair. Um, this is this is maybe a month or six weeks ago. This unbelievably awesome profile of The Rock. No, did huh? you read it? Huh. No. It is first of all one of the best profiles, celebrity profiles, or any other kind of profile I've ever read. <laughs> and he is an absolute fucking delight. I, I've always delight. I've always been an unabashed rock slut. Like I I really like The Rock. Anytime I've I seen him in anything, I think I've he's seen just the a. Tooth movies like yeah. movies like four or five times i was gonna say i loved him in the tooth fairy <laughs> but you know if would you have asked me if 20 years ago when i said somebody like the rock no but i mean ronald reagan yes he yeah. had more experience but yeah i love barack obama with all my heart and soul he didn't have a tremendous amount of experience right light light years ahead of the current president of the united states but yeah. if that person can be president of the united states <laughs> all i want like to see all i want to see is the rock body slam trump at a freaking <laughs> no you got to give him the people's elbow the, yeah the people's yeah. elbow one time yeah. and he's got my vote that's that's all i <laughs> if ask he wanna, if he wants to run as a gop candidate I, i'm down with that he wants to run as independent i mean he can't <laughs> you know 
I, what, think, I mean, really, uh, when Trump gets elected president as a Republican, labels mean shit. So oh, run well, they it with, already, oh, because they mean so much right now. Right, that's yeah, what right. I mean. Like, yeah. so just, yeah, run is whatever so you want. Said, it means nothing. when that came out yesterday, and I, I think I tweeted, I said, this is the best thing, this is the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> I was absolutely serious on several levels. It was, in fact, the best news I've heard all day. I know I saw it on your, your Twitter. I'm pretty sure I saw it a couple other places, too. <laughs> oh, so, I'm yeah, sure you did. I had to mention but, that. Um, yeah, so I think Amy Poehler, I think a, a Polar Johnson Johnson Polar <laughs> ticket is strong. Love it. Oh, we fully support that. <laughs> I love it. All right. Do you got time for a lightning round? With Tina Fey as Secretary of State. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> Bossy Pants is one of the funniest books I've ever read. You know? That absolutely. book was fantastic. All right. Favorite Lebowski quote? Uh, God, there's so many. Yeah. Boy. Um... Or maybe what's the one you use the most Obviously, in everyday life? Not a golfer. Oh my god, that was mine too. <laughs> oh, that is the line that sold me on that movie. Yep, me like, too. That whole scene. What the fuck is this? Obviously, you're, you're not, not a golfer. golfer. I was in from that point. Because like, up to that but point, you just you've just got the Sam Elliott character. And you're like, okay, what is this? Yeah. Like, and then right. that happens, and you're like, okay, I'm in. I'm yep. fully committed to this movie now. But I will say, I mean, that, it, that's hard. It's like p- picking your favorite child. It right. is. I have yeah. one, so it's easy for me. But, you know, people who have multiple children or pets. <laughs> right. that are, oh, no, I, I totally have one. I was going to say, I've got three kids, and I have a favorite. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, um, but I will say four years until my car went tits up over the weekend. We bought a new one. I had a bumper sticker that said, nice marmot. <laughs> um, for years. For I had, years, a, I had a, an old... Uh, uh, 1992 Saturn for a while. I bought it for a thousand bucks. Had it for five years. I had like five of those stickers. On yeah, the I had a car. couple on a truck. I yeah. had. Yeah, good stuff. Well, and, and on my other car that ceased to be two years ago, um, I had one that said it don't matter to Jesus. I had one yeah. too. Yeah, I had that one on my truck. As a matter that's of just fact. a good yeah, one. It is. I love watching people's face as they read it when they get up close to me. <laughs> Lebowski fans would go nuts. Yes, yeah, they would. Absolutely. Yep. I don't know. I'd every once in a while I'd be in a parking lot and I'd get out of my truck and a guy would just nod at me or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. just kind of, yeah, kind of that nod of, yep, yep, I get it. Yep, so. eight-year-olds, dude. That's yeah, right. So. <laughs> uh, what's your uh, beverage of choice? <laughs> right now, at the moment, it's just crystal clear cold water with a couple <laughs> ice cubes. But if, if you're talking about what's my poison, yes. um, Southern Comfort Old Fashions. Oh, oh yeah. I love an old fashioned. I do love a good old fashioned. Yep. But I like the girly one. It has, you know, I I can do like a bullet or a Blanton's old fashioned. Yeah, yeah too, sure. But really, what hits me in the place that I live, a Southern Comfort old fashioned, which also go. happens to be my mother's cocktail of choice. Nice. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. What is your favorite book besides the Bible? <laughs> that, that doesn't count. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Two Corinthians. Um, <laughs> he loves Jesus so hard. Doesn't um, he? Yeah, he sure yeah, does. Wow. That's awesome. Um, well, let's see. My my go-to answer for most of my life has been Catcher in the Rye. Oh, that's um, so good. But, and also today, Catcher in the Rye. That's probably the one I've read the most. It's yeah. probably the one I go back to the most. Although, man, you know, I have a really soft spot, and I came to her late in life for Patty Smith. Mm-hmm. And oh, really? Just Kids uh, I've heard. is just so beautiful. Yep, I've heard it's great. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so last album you listened to start to finish. 
Well, considering what I've been doing lately, I would say that would be the Joshua Tree. But um, interestingly enough... Non-U2 albums, go with that. Uh... The Fleet Foxes album that has Mykonos on it. Oh, I'm going to forget the name of it. First one, but that's... wasn't it? Oh gosh, what was that called? I don't remember. Yeah, I'd I have to look. Yeah. It's an EP. That one. Yeah. Okay. I've been list. That's been on repeat. Um, um, favorite movie you've seen in the last year? Ooh. Boy, uh, favorite movie I've seen in the last year, and I watch stuff constantly. Oh, Pride. Do you know the movie? No. no. It's a British movie that came out about two years ago. And it's a, it's a real story of how um, the gay community in London got together and raised funds for the striking miners. This is like the summer 1985, 1984, mm-hmm. somewhere in there during the Thatcher years. And it's and ended up um, this small LGBTQ alliance raised all this money and get, ended up giving it to this one particular um, what they call them guilds mining mm-hmm. guild from a little town in Wales, and it's about that relationship. And it's great music. It's like the, I bought the soundtrack on CD because it wasn't on <laughs> iTunes. Like I actually sent away nice. for it, got the physical CD, um, and it's just it's beautiful. And they end up. And again, all of this is a true story. I didn't know anything about the correlations between the two communities at the time. They, and it, it, I think it was the Pride March of 1985, was led by a bunch of guilds from Wales of miners. Oh, wow. Led the yeah. Pride Parade yeah. in, wow. in London. And it's just, it's a great story and it's heartening. And it's one of those like, you know, I... I I had to spend hours Googling to track down all the characters. It was just fascinating and how people overcome their sense of who they are and who the enemy is to actually find that we have a lot in common and we can help each other. It's beautiful. Very I just cool. not cried through the end of it and danced through <laughs> half of it. It's just, that's probably, I mean, if I thought about it longer, it might be something else, but that's the, that's the movie I've told more people to see than anything else this nice. year. Um, do you believe in the multiverse? <laughs> <laughs> that's the one you're going with really. Yeah. Yes, yes, I do. Okay. Okay. I'm going to pretend like I know what that means precisely. <laughs> well, but yes, we, we do too when we ask speaking, it. <laughs> I feel like, sure. It's, it's if it. I can believe in the Celtic idea of, you know, the here and the more, I think a multiverse mm-hmm. is probably doable as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sure, why not? All right. Uh, so if you had to choose a superpower, invisibility or super strength? You know, invisibility, duh. Yeah, I know. It's kind <laughs> of a no-brainer. Yeah, it kind of is. All right. Um, do you have any new projects that you're working on? Well, I um, largely for the last few years, I've been making my quan by being a literary <laughs> consultant. So I work with a lot of other writers on projects. I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's You're a welcome. Jerry Maguire throwback. Oh, Did we not know that we would have one of those tonight, but well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what, this is so why you stay to the end of the interview, people. <laughs> you completely. I've been working on a lot of stuff with other people, which has been right. tremendously satisfying. But all of this is basically gearing up for me to come out with a couple more. Um, probably book length projects. Awesome. I've had it. It's just been bubbling. Um, Fantastic. I did. I did like four or five books in six years, something crazy like that. And then took a deep breath and mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out what it is that I want to do next. But one of them is the story of, of, of my son. Oh. It's the best story oh, yes. I know. And it's yeah. the tentative working title um, is the raffle. How I 
took a chance, won a family, and learned the power of why not. Oh, that's, wow. God, that's a great title. I'm buying that Boom. shit as soon as it goes yeah, on Amazon. That awesome. is fantastic. Yeah. Love that. I love that we, we um, have talked to you for now an hour and a half, and we didn't even talk about, like, you interviewed Barack Obama. Like, there's so yeah, many other really great cool. things that you've done. He has the most amazing skin. That's <laughs> from sitting across the table from him. This is well, at least it isn't orange, so there is that. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, he's just, yeah, I, I think the world of him, mostly from that yeah. experience of interviewing him about this stuff yeah, before wanna, anybody else knew he was. I want to interview him, too, but I'm guessing that's a fucking long shot, to say the <laughs> least. So. Well, I couldn't get a follow-up, so, yeah. you know. But if yeah. I do, I'll mention you. Okay. Oh, hey, please fantastic. do. Thank you. You're uh, so where can people find you online? Well, um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter because it's safer in 140 characters than yeah, anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. So it's <laughs> at Godgirl, G-O-D-G-R-R-L. Yeah. Not to be confused with the one with the I. Um, <laughs> and uh, KathleenFalsani.com. Um, my literary consultancy is SinnersAndSaintsConsulting.com. Nice. Um, and on, uh, you know, occasionally on uh, Instagram. Although, but yeah, I'm... Twitter's my safe space right now, yeah. such as it is. <laughs> such as it is. That's so. a relative term. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. And occasionally on YouTube.com if you want to go back and look at some of the stuff that I did this spring. Okay. Oh, nice. Sweet. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. We're Thank you, guys. Super grateful to have you on. Yeah, this is... Uh, we've done a lot of interviews with people. We sit face-to-face the Prob Bell, and this might actually be my favorite interview we've done. Yeah, oh, would you fun. please tell him that, that, that you said that? <laughs> we, we will. will. Next time we talk out. to him, yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll now, this has been uh, well, truly delightful. Oh, thank you. I hope it wasn't too self-indulgent. It was fun to no. oh, no, remember some of the things. He helped yeah. me remind myself of, of the goodness that I've experienced. So, um, Shiny, happy. Yay. <laughs> yeah, very good. Awesome. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Now that we puked in your seat, you can tell us what you think. The five stars get red, but one star is dead. Feedback. <laughs> you shot your wad too early. Feedback. Oh, I, I gotta get in there somehow. Feedback. That's what she said. No, wait, is it? Wait. That's what he said. I feel like it's not. No, I feel like it's not what she said. All right. Uh, we have. This is Brad reading this this week. Yeah. Yay. Uh, Bubby's gonna do it. Hooray! I'm useful. I'm having a wonderful time. Brad knows how to read. That's a Futurama callback for anybody that watched that show. Nobody cares. They should because that show was awesome. Uh, okay, this is from M.D. Shannon. Michael Shannon, I see you. I hear you. Michael David Shannon. Uh, probably not David. It might be David. Might be Dolores. Might be Dolores. Michael Dolores Shannon. Could be Dong. Hashtag's probably not Dong. No? Well, right. now that he just downgraded this five-star <laughs> review to like yep. a two-star. Just deleted his pledge on Patreon. This is titled, uh, hashtag, thanks a lot, Rob Bell. Uh, before I read any of... Before I, before I read... I pulled a mic Really, Michael? Already. Yes. God. I just stroked, Your middle name is Michael. Out like Michael. You're, sitting a, lot, you're sitting a lot closer to him. That's what happens. Brad's middle <laughs> name is Michael, so that explains a lot. I now can't read. Uh, before I read any of Rob Bell's books, I was just your average evangelical Christian who Same. knew deep down that he didn't believe everything, 
but also knew he believed in something, so just went through life trying not to think about important things <laughs> and listening to entertaining podcasts that didn't make me think too much about things that I didn't agree with in one way or another. Then I heard Rob Bell, and you made it weird, and then read Love Wins, and now all I can listen to are podcasts like The Liturgist and this podcast. So sorry, other podcasts. I want to think again. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a, a great it, review. It really is, yeah. Slowly deleting his Joel Osteen podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I still find it weird that we get put on lists with like The Liturgist and stuff. Yeah. That makes yeah. no sense whatsoever no, to me, but thank you. Fantastic. <sighs> yeah. All right. so, thank you. Yeah. So now we read everybody all, all of Twitter from the last week. All of Twitter. No, not all. There's a, there was we had several several comments on Twitter that I'm not going to read. Several threads. Um, corrections and clarifications. Uh, it's Amanda at Poly NMD. Amanda <laughs> said, "Pastors podcast. The podcast DeRay does is Pod Save the People." That's right. I couldn't think of the name yeah. of it last week. It's amazing. You need to listen. Yeah. Also, coincidentally, uh, it was my fangirl on Twisted Sisters episode 22. If you listened at Pauline Matt, you would have known who to yeah, I kind of got ethered for a little bit there on Twitter. I'm yeah. not really sure did what you? happened. I'm I, still not on Twitter, so I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I kind of did. I know. I'm not really did they sure. they keep going after that? Yeah, they kind of did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see. <laughs> yeah. So. And actually, somebody, uh, uh, Kamala Harris, 444, whatever. Yeah. Yeah thinks it was me that didn't know who Kamala Harris was and it was you that didn't know. No, I, I know no, who it was Kamala Harris was. Michael. Michael. It was okay. yeah. it well, they was made me. it sound like I didn't know. I was like, no, 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 I know. I'm the one that said <laughs> no, it's I was the same. Just saying, oh, I, yeah. know, I know who Kamala they Harris They said you didn't know what woke meant. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of had Ether. I, like, I didn't have anything to do with anything. I'm not sure it really what me. happened there. So, yeah, so Ether Michael, don't fucking Ether me. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. It's all good. I love you, Long Tim. Yes, I love you, Long Tim. <laughs> Alternative hashtags. Alternate. Alternate hashtags. Alternate. Alternative hashtags are from the nineties. <laughs> what would they be? It smells like Teen Spirit. Anything by R- <laughs> anything by R.E.M. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Nathan Miller West hashtag Paula Abdul was right. Hashtag one step forward, two steps back. That's from um, Pub Crawl. What, right? Isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. oh right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Nathan Miller West also said uh, at Pastors Podcast, "I'm with you, Michael." Hashtag weird science. Hashtag it is bad. No. Hashtag does not hold up. No, it fucking does. Like, like no, it t- weird science totally holds totally up. holds up. It's hilarious for what it is. It totally holds. up. I just up. watched it like I did too. Three it's months fantastic. ago. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, television show is better. Suck it. No, 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 whoa, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Let's yeah. talk about this for a second. You're a fucking have you, idiot. Have you seen it? Yes. Anthony Michael Hall. Are you kidding me? Right Seriously. now, it's great. In the movie. In the movie. Yeah, I know. The TV show is better. Oh my God! I liked him both. Are we really going to do this? Is there anything you're just never wrong? About? Like, are you just not wrong? About, are you are you right about anything? <laughs> Is ever? it time like, to break out the whale mouth thing again? Yeah, it really might whale be. Mouth. Yeah, it really might be. Uh, Janet Murray Walker. Here said, he comes. Um, He's a breaching. Are you guys done? Are you done yet? Weird right. said Pinkerton's the best Weezer album. It's fucking true. <laughs> Fuck you. Eat it. If you want to get him pissed off, talk about Weezer. You need to eat a chocolate <laughs> anus. You need, need an edible chocolate anus. <laughs> Jana Murray Walker said, uh, um, hashtag the lobster named Glitter. Hashtag, <laughs> uh, hashtag lobster NMD Polly. <laughs> Did I do it right? I adore her. She's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Honorable mentions, uh, Pater Vanderhosen. I fucking love that name. Pater. P 
Pacher Vanderhosen <laughs> at Flyball Foul. Hmm. Kudos to at Pastors Podcast for the conversation on maturity and manners. <laughs> Hashtag Sorry, proud maturity. to be a turd. <laughs> um, yeah, us, said, us a maturity, not such, not good bedfellows. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. He said, "Proud to be a turd." So good. I like that hashtag. Yeah. Um, Shanna Sellers, um, Murph ninety two. We haven't called her Papa Smurf in a long time. No, Papa Murph. Papa, Papa Murph. Murph. I've never had their pizza. Can we call her that. Arthur Digby Sellers since we're talking about oh, uh, Lebowski? We, how have we never done that? I don't know. Wrote the bulk of the show. Yeah, you did bulk of the series. Yeah, not and exactly his, a lightweight. You got his you son, son as a, a fucking, fucking dunce. <laughs> she said, "Y'all reference." Good Lord. day to you, sir. <laughs> she spends like most say, of her day in an iron lung. I'd like to say <laughs> we're all. I'm personally a huge fan. Uh, is this your homework, Larry? Oh, God. We got started. This is we, bad. We do this all night. Yeah. All right. That's what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. We're going to cut your dick off, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go ahead. Sorry. Anyway, Papa Murph wrote, um, y'all just referenced Lord of the Flies and I died of happiness. Hashtag sucks. Sucks to your ass more. Yeah, sucks to your ass more. <laughs> Hashtag nobody remembers that. I love that a few people got my uh, Lord of the Flies reference. Annette Jennings at Lime Twist said, the art of asking questions with grace and love. How do you change someone's mind? Episode 24. Yes, I'm still catching up. Wow, that's way back. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. <coughs> I like when people go back and listen to yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's cool. awesome. Um, Abby Kelly at Ask a Kelly, new turd, um, said, I'm unable, I'm unable to listen to Michael Heavy Breathe heavily. Yeah, same. Yeah, in the all mic, of us are the same. Yeah. In the mic without snort, snorty laugh gagging. <laughs> okay, so they not can, same. Hashtag a lobster named Clitter. Stop. Stop. <laughs> God. You see, Abby, what you've done? You, you see what, see you, what, what you've, you've wrought? Um, Sarah, my <laughs> wife, wrote, um, you want to know where I get it, uh, said, I love when Michael puts his shark in my boat. Oh my god! Hashtag a lobster named Clitter. You're Good. banned. You're banned from reading your wife's Good tweets. God. Oh. <laughs> and Gary, uh, Gary Finn at Gary Finn said, uh, "Good stuff, guys." So, Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Guffy. Gary. Coming in at number ten, J. Marie Walker at Pauline named Ranger at uh, the new Hymns Pod from at Pastors Podcasts. Are going to wreck me so good. Yeah. Coming in at number eight, Paul Dodinoff. Yeah, he's a new yeah. turd. He said, "Not sure why you guys followed me, but cool. Used to own a cafe. I like beer too. I'll check out the podcast." <laughs> Literally within twelve hours of that tweet, he became <laughs> yeah, a he Patreon did. supporter. And he's yeah. jumped in with both feet. I like yep. him. I need to meet him. He's sometime. not messing around. Yeah. Coming in at number seven, Erica Reva Reva. At the we and me said, still listening. Uh, you certainly have an interest, you certainly have interesting perspectives. Uh, at Sean X was a fantastic guest on episode yes, 72. Yeah, yeah, she's in, she's listening with a very discerning ear, it seems yeah, like, right. which is neat. I like that. Yep, Courtney Vrayblick at Salvage Pie said, <laughs> still one of the best Twitter handles out there. I'll speak to the humor and depth of at Pastor Alice. Um, brought to the At Pastors podcast cast uh, 
latest episode. I uh, haven't heard many solid convos on prayer lately. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great. She's interview. great. Yep. Yeah. She is truly great. Number five at Rachel Maggio. 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 DiMaggio. Is it Ralph Maggio's wife? Maybe yes. sister. Let's hope. Maybe sister. Maybe we can get him on the Ralph Macchio's sister. I want to talk about Karate Kid. It's definitely. <laughs> can we talk about the fact that his last move, the crane kick, was fucking illegal? illegal. Kicked him in the face. Kicked him in the face and they let him win? Yeah. She's at... Talk about sweeping the leg. He kicked him in the fucking nose. Yeah. Anyway. At the underscore Equinox underscore 89. So, speaking of, sorry, speaking of Karate Kid. So <laughs> my oldest two kids, my oldest two kids the other night watched it. Yeah. I wish people could see me leaning so back in my chair. My, my middle, my middle, one of his stories. So my middle son has Asperger's. Okay, yeah. so he he comes out. And this is so classic. Him, he comes out, and I was like, "Yeah, what'd you think of the movie?" So, like, wasn't that illegal for him to kick the guy in the face? <laughs> That's hilarious. He noticed that. I was that. like, uh, yes, it yeah. was. And it's hilarious that you noticed that. Anyway. All right. Back to Ralph Maggio's sister. Rachel Maggio. Maggio. It's not Maggio. It's not. Maggio. Maybe it's, maybe it's Mr. Miyagi. Maggio. That's even better. It's Maggio, you dumbass. I don't know. I'm sure it is. I bet she could paint a fence. Oh, God. Could she wax on, wax off? Yeah. <laughs> All right, in episode 21, at MJ Basinger, telling the story of your brother's sloth phobia, you missed a great opportunity. Slobia. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Sign the floor. Yes. <laughs> Sign the floor. Coming in at number four, Jacob. Jacob. And I cannot God, talk. what is wrong with you? I'm You're worse of, than usual. Stroke it out. Michael's well. on vacation already. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's in Canada. Done. I go he's on vacation gone. tomorrow after work, and I'm already there, bro. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Michael's brain, finally the last remaining bits of it went bye-bye. The last, the last sparks <laughs> blew out like a supernova. Um, I'm just going to say LeBran, but it, I'm going to say Jacob LeBran. All okay. right. That's fine. Um, beers in heaven. Ever talk about it? <laughs> I saw that tweet. I don't know that we have, <laughs> no, actually. We nope. Sure haven't. <laughs> we haven't yeah, really talked whatever. about heaven. We'll, we'll find out, maybe, yeah. Yeah. one of these days. Yeah. Kegger. Yeah. If he- heaven's not a kegger. Hell's just like an endless supply <laughs> of, ke- of hams <laughs> or something. Hams. Christ taps, the Holy Spirit pumps. <laughs> 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 the Father pays for it all. <laughs> Actually, the Father, Christ pays for it all. The Father, <laughs> father taps the Holy Spirit pumps. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was good. All right. I don't contribute much, but occasionally I've got, I've got one of them. Number three, Eric Flynn McCormick at Polly Named Eric. <laughs> Hashtag a lobster called Clitter. I cannot fucking believe that people still have that. I know. Hashtag a lobster called Clitter sounds like adult <laughs> fanfic of a fish called Wanda. <laughs> Good episode this week. That's awesome. Coming in at number two, Zach Cannon at RU underscore Zach underscore Cannon. A lot of new Cannon. people this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to hang out with that Pastors Podcast, guys. I've devoured episodes packing for this cross-country move. A lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Move to Virginia, right? From where? Um, um, 
the other side of the country. I was gonna say, that's, is it Cali? Is he moving from Cali? Oh, God, that's a long ass drive, man. Got, that's literally the entire country. <laughs> you could devour literally three episodes of like you made it weird. Hop on seventy. Give I'm us. driving to Canada, boat, <laughs> no. bros. Hop on seventy and give us a buzz when you get to Indy. Yep. Coming in at number one. Beck Ray at Ox Anglican. <laughs> one of our faves. The long debate of hashtag lobster named Clitter and hashtag a lobster named Clitter <laughs> will claw at me all day. <laughs> I get it. Yep. That's, see, it's funny. funny. That's pun It's funny because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife told me I had to put that at number one, so <laughs> she, she gets what she wants. You did so. say that? Your wife? My, my wife, yeah. Oh, yeah. Debbie agreed to. (laughs) 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 He's clapping for himself. (laughs) Closing time. You know, you know why that was great was the the little pause right there in between. That was that was what made that worthwhile. Closing time. Because I, I, I was thinking, should I say it or should I not? Should I? Or should well, I not? I say, we know. Shockingly, we, he yeah, said it. Say, yeah. We know who's winning that debate yeah. every time. What's the scene in Animal House with the devil and he, <laughs> the devil on one shoulder, angel on the other shoulder? Yeah, That's Michael, indeed. Yeah. And he gives into the devil every time. Every, every time. time. Closing time. Rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes, which I guess is not really iTunes. It's called Apple Podcast now. Whatever. It's shit. What, get a different. Get a different app. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend Overcast. That's yeah, that's what I use. Anyway, rate us on fucking iTunes because yep. that's the yeah. one that's important. Yes. Yeah. yeah, or Apple Podcast or whatever the fuck they're calling it now. Uh, write a review <laughs> on there. Uh, check us out on our website, ingloriousbastards.com. Support for this motherfucking podcast comes from <laughs> listeners like you at patreon.com slash pastors podcast. Patreon.com slash pastors podcast. Yes. Support us on Patreon to join the Pastors Pub, get bonus content, buy us around, and even help shape content on this show. Yeah. Hashtags. What do you got? I got a bunch. Right, I do too. Uh, hashtag. <laughs> hashtag your mom comes every week. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> that's not happening. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I immediately regret everything I've said. Hashtag. Hey, I'm India. That's so great (laughs) Hashtag tiger penis chewing gum (laughs) I try it Hashtag that's what Debbie said (laughs) Hashtag petrified hog cranker (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing that down That's the best one Hashtag chocolate assholes. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> hashtag they are tight. <laughs> nope. 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 <laughs> Die <in> here. <laughs> hashtag let it dissolve on your tongue. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> hashtag dark milk edible anus. <laughs> You had a lot of anus-related ones, didn't you? Well, that, that was a very hashtag-rich uh, story. Yeah, it was. Hashtag Matt the Wiener. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> and then hashtag Christ taps the Holy Spirit box. <laughs> Oh, I shit. really like that one a lot. What <laughs> the hell? Oh my god, we can't use that. Uh, okay. I've got, oh my god. Uh, I've got, all the sacrilegious uh, shit we've done on the, that might be the worst. I've got several. I've got several from the the interview. Oh um, my god. I totally forgot during the interview to even yeah. do hashtags. Uh, to- I have several. Toxic waste and cans of beans. Yep, I got that. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh squadron of death eaters. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> All the movies on Lifetime. <laughs> uh, real life Sharknado. <laughs> Hashtag they winged her. <laughs> yes. Hashtag collapsed Catholic. Uh, Hashtag the Nicholas Cage of my life. Uh, oh. Hashtag I got hard boiled egg in, in that. <laughs> Wales Rancheros. Uh, hashtag Senior Zhang Un. <laughs> <laughs> that got better as I said it. Um, hashtag oh. nothing, nothing worse than melted asshole. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, hashtag eat an edible chocolate anus. <laughs> Hashtag, we're going to cut your dick off, Larry. <laughs> That's all I've got. All right, oh, I got to stand up for the rest of this. Hashtag, toxic, 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 toxic waste in cans of beans. Yeah. Uh, collapsed Catholic. Um, hashtag, love uh, is used to getting its ass kicked. Yeah, I love that one, man. That quote—that's great. It's too long for a hashtag, probably. But hashtag Grace is like porn. (laughs) (laughs) She said that. That's a really good. That's a really good one. Um, Yes. Hashtag I want to be inside your heaven. (laughs) No, absolutely not. And hashtag Debbie agreed to. (laughs) Oh my God. There's so many good ones. Boy. I'm on board with uh, Petrified Hog Cranker. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, Grace is like porn. Grace is like porn. Or um, Senior (laughs) Jong (laughs) Un. Oh man. I, I kind of like Grace's like porn. I'm yeah, kinda, that's kind of mine. I'm kind of fine with I'm that. With, yeah. Not the funniest one, but definitely fantastic. Yeah, uh, and it's, we could it's, we could name the the episode that. No, I don't want it because it'll seem like it's a porn episode. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> we could do Hey, I'm India. <laughs> I do like India. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, Grace is like porn. So if you listen to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with the hashtag, hashtag Grace is like porn. We're on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. I'm whatever. At, at Polly named Matt. Um, and uh, at whatever, whatever. Uh, Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. Um, Instagram and Glorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Like us. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You guys got anything else? No, man, it was good. Yeah, it was good. 
was a long one. This is a very long one. That's yeah. easily our longest. Uh, we have four percent left on our on our uh, laptop. So oh God! I forgot, I forgot the charger this week. Probably so. need to kill that uh, off. Let's kill this yeah. off. So. Uh, be sure to check out our friends Twisted Sisters on their iTunes feed or Apple Podcast feed, whatever the hell they're calling it. Um, they talked about Sabbath. Yeah. It was very good. Um, that was a lovely interview. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Kathleen. Yeah. Fucking quotable. Yep. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. <clears throat> Stay tuned next week for uh, Brian Andros. <laughs> <laughs> Branson Van Dreesen. Yes. <laughs> Bill Anderson. <laughs> Bill Andrews. <laughs> Billy Von Hoovel. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Big Time. I've already got my intro for next week, by the way, when I host. That's already done. That'll, that may be the last thing people hear right before they actually hear your intro. Maybe. In the year 2000. Or that. 43. Or this. But maybe this. Or this. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Oh no, you can't end the episode God. on that. <laughs>